Power Podcast this week, we have a remote chat with Sean Ralphio from Parks and Recreation, a.k.a. Ben Schwartz, and discover that he's actually the best. All that and more on the movie podcast that isn't self-isolating with you. You're self-isolating with me. Hello, pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast, which for the fifth week in a row is coming to you from our various living rooms and assorted man caves as the world's worst sequel, COVID-19 continues to do its crazy thing. And this week, I'm joined by three colleagues of such lethal cunning, Geek Queen, Helen O'Hara, who's still, Hello. of course, living in hope that they finish Supernatural. I mean, I, honestly, if they don't, it means it never ends. It means it always goes on and I never have to say goodbye. So that's okay, too. <laughs> we were also joined by James Dyer, who lives Hello, in hope that they will never finish Supernatural. I, I have nothing against Supernatural or nipples in general, if I'm honest with you. I'm very <laughs> pro-nipple uh, and I think it's fine for them to continue to produce the nipple show. I have something against my nipples right now, as a matter of fact, is a T-shirt. It is a T-shirt that has been commissioned by a long, long-time listener and, uh, and occasional contributor to the podcast, Jeremy Dillon, host of the wonderful My Favourite Album podcast. And he sent Helen and myself this T-shirt, which has uh, been made by MaryStreepy.com. This, is, this, feels like, this feels like a paid advertisement. <laughs> I promise you it isn't. Uh, at Creepstreeps on Twitter. He's done this wonderful T-shirt of Tommy Lee Jones. Saying I'll I cannot sanction. Grab. Hang on, I'll, I'll get I'll get my nipples into frame. That's it. Bring the nips into frame. <laughs> oh, 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 Helen's got the go. t-shirt as well. Here we right. go. I'm standing up. There we go. Hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Hang this on. Is excellent hold, podcast hold, content. Hold, 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 and amazing. Oh my word. That stance was not good, guys. I felt very much like Joe Morton in T2. I don't know how much longer I can hold this. Uh, but yes, this is a... <laughs> Click boom. <laughs> it's a very sexual beginning to the podcast, as it is yeah. every single week. In as Hank comes uh, in and sees him. He, he does what now? Sorry. <laughs> A cheeky oh, Hank. <laughs> yep, yep. A cheeky Hank from Breaking Bad. Yeah, he has a... Anyway, anyway, let's move on. Um, so, yeah, this is a wonderful T-shirt. So thanks a lot, Jeremy, for, for yes, sending it you. to us. And yes, thanks, Jeremy. All really, the really, really enjoyed mine as well. Thanks, <laughs> thanks Jeremy. That was, that was great, great. Your generosity is, has been noted. Like, you weren't bells, even bells. in that pod, were you? Yeah, you, and, and you suck, in fairness. Yeah, you uh, do but, suck. That's right. <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Chris here, just uh, dropping in very, very briefly to tell you about the t-shirt that Jeremy Dillon got for us because I just realised that I didn't actually explain what it was. So it's basically a t-shirt with Tommy Lee Jones's face on it and around it is the legend I cannot sanction your buffoonery which is of course a reference to the thing that he said to Jim Carrey all those years ago in a restaurant when they were making Batman Forever and it's one of the greatest things that anyone has ever said in the history of mankind. So there you go. Thank you so much to Jeremy Dillon for getting those t-shirts. Thank you so much to MaryStreepy.com for making them and sending them out to uh, us as well. Much obliged. I will wear mine a lot, frankly. Uh, all right, that's enough for me. Back to our regularly scheduled podcast programming. Enough about my T-shirt, because now we're going to talk to the best-dressed man in UK film journalism. It is the one and only... He would never wear a T-shirt. He would never knowingly wear a T-shirt. It's Amon Warman. How are you? Hello, hello. Uh, yes, that, that, that's a title I take very seriously, Chris. So much so that 
if you recall, there was a podcast where I said that you know, I'm going to wear a waistcoat into the Empire office one of these days. I'm not sure if you can tell. I am wearing a waistcoat for you, Chris Hewitt, to show yes. that, yes, I yes. do wear them on occasion. Yeah, I'm glad you're wearing a waistcoat, but the choice to wear a waistcoat and nothing else has thrown us a little <laughs> bit, I have to say. Uh, maybe maybe next time you have me on, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll rectify that. <laughs> I mean, it's warm weather, though, isn't it? You know, we're all... <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's very cold where I am, which is what I'm always telling my wife. <laughs> it's very cold. Very cold. Always very cold. Uh, anyway, enough of that filthy nonsense, because it is time for the fact section of the show. This is a <sighs> relatively new section to the show. It is Helen's favorite section, as you can tell. Um, it is the section that has been fairly known as Fact Me Till I Fart and Fact Me In The Face. This week it is known as Chris Hewitt's Big Fact Hunt. Big fact hunt. Chris Hewitt is a big fact hunt. Don't say that too quickly. Or do, whichever. Uh, So if you have been listening to the show over the last few weeks, uh, because we're in isolation, uh, because there's less going on in Hollywood than there there usually is, um, we decided to entertain ourselves. So the challenge is that the three guests every week, James and Helen are fixtures, the fourth chair is a rotating chair. So they, you all bring in an incredible arcane fact that hopefully I will not know. And there will be a winner every week. And so far it is 1-1-1. One, one, one. So Helen's 1-1, one, one, James is 1-1, one, one, and the guest, in, the guest in the fourth chair has also 1-1. One, one. So that in mind, I'm on. So yes, my big fact uh it's uh, about denzel washington my favorite actor of all time and a little 1998 spike lee movie called he got game um and that movie stars ray allen as uh, jesus shuttlesworth uh, denzel washington's uh sort of son in the movie and at the end of the movie uh, they have a game of one-on-one uh, we, should, we should mention ray allen is a professional uh, basketball player he went on to become an NBA champion and is widely regarded as one of the greatest shooters of all time. And he was oh. meant to win that game 11-0. But Denzel Washington is a big basketball fan and he played junior varsity basketball when he was growing up and he was intent on scoring at least one basket. He ended up scoring five baskets. <laughs> so the film uh, ended uh, uh, that uh, game with the score being 11-5 as opposed to 11-0. At one right. point, uh, Ray Allen had to uh, sort of call time out and talk to Spike about what was going on in the scene and what was meant to be happening in the scene because he thought it was meant to be 11-0 and Denzel is you know busy scoring on him. Uh, <laughs> so the final version of the film, as I say, has, a, has uh, Jesus beating uh, Denzel 11-5. And while Jesus sort of verbalizes that and says, you know, 11-5 as he wins, if he actually slow it down and read his lips, you can actually, you can actually tell what he was really saying was 11-0. And they just redid that dialogue in post. Whoa. And, and your fascinating fact is? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was it. <laughs> okay, oh, no, wow. that's good. That's good. I thought it was good. Yeah. <laughs> Denzel Washington. I didn't know Denzel Washington was a basketball fan. Is he as good as Sigourney Weaver, though? That's the question. Yeah, no, that, it that's definitely right. brought that, that, uh, that fact to mind as well. Yeah. Um, Don't worry, yeah, that's I not thought, my fact I, for today. <laughs> I thought Chris would have a lesser chance of knowing about the Denzel one, uh, but, you know, yep. we'll see. There oh, you yeah, the, the, everyone, everyone knows about the Sigourney <laughs> one. Everyone knows about uh, the Sigourney yeah. one, yeah. Mm. 
Do you know uh, Ray Allen? Uh, I grew up knowing Ray Allen as a ventriloquist who would appear on TV and things like the Royal Variety performance, and he had a puppet called uh, Lord Charles. Do you remember this, guys? Anyone Anyone else who's like, you roughly my age? Nope. Uh, Helen is gaslighting me now, but pretending not to know who this guy is. <laughs> not so he was a grey-haired ventriloquist. He wasn't very funny, but he was a good ventriloquist, and his puppet had a monocle, and he was quite positive. Uh, the Lord Charles. Is it that Ray Allen? No, Chris. <laughs> did, you, did you grow up on a staple of kind of end-of-the-peer entertainment? Was this like your childhood? Oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> oh, yes, you did. Yeah, sadly, sadly, I did. Okay, that's a good fact. That is a good fact. Uh, I also saw your thing the other day because I mean, there was a thing going around Twitter where someone said um, uh, they had, they, they had uh, four pictures. One picture was Denzel. Another picture was Tom Cruise. Another picture was George Clooney. And another picture was Liam Neeson. And it said, during during the lockdown, you can only watch one of Lee's actors' filmographies. Which is it? And Amon immediately went in with Denzel. Like, immediately. Like, didn't even uh, stop to consider the, that the, uh, Liam Neeson, we can just put him to one side. But the other, mm-hmm. the other two, yes. I, I would say that this is a more... Can, this is a more involved and in-depth argument than I would say you're willing to, uh, d- to concede. Denzel is the only correct answer to that question. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's not even a tricky thing. Like, I got a Why lot of love for Tom Cruise. You know, I, I love the Mission Impossibles. You know, I, it would suck never having to, uh, never being able to watch those movies again, in addition to a whole bunch of other Tom Cruise movies I really, really, really like. But when you consider Denzel's filmography, there's no question. There's no question. And by the way, you need to hurry up with the Denzel ranking. I'm ready to do that episode <laughs> now. In time, young Padawan. All in good time. Uh, okay, so let's, let's consider it. Let's consider it. Okay. Virtuosity. Heart condition. <laughs> what? The equalizer too. I can see why. This is... <laughs> This oh, is an wow. unimpeachable filmography. Listen, we, maybe we'll have this discussion another time. This, this is just an interesting question. We're definitely going to have this discussion. Do you know what? Cruise is a good shout. I mean, I'll even watch Far and Away, I've got to be honest with you. Like, my bar is quite oh, no. low. Oh, no, that's one of my secret shames. I've seen that film many, many times. More times oh, okay. than any one person really should have done. And even yeah. though it is absolutely objectively terrible, I quite like it. I don't know oh, why. God. He punches a horse in the face, and no one should ever condone that kind of action. But nevertheless, it's a. It's, it's, but it, but it here and now, James here and now, to only in that film, not in real life. People never punch horses. Frankly, they'll kick the shit out of you. <laughs> it's a really tough one. It's genuinely, it's really tough. Uh, you no, know, I not. love Denzel. I love Tom Cruise. I love George Clooney, and I love Big Liam. But I think his filmography just doesn't stack up with the other three. <laughs> it just, it just doesn't. It's got Schindler's List. It's got Dark Man. So maybe in a way, it's better than the other three combined. But. <laughs> <laughs> you're, know, forgetting, you're forgetting Collins, about Taken well, 3. I wish I could forget about Taken 3. <laughs> but, you know, with Clooney, Clooney, you have, obviously, you've got Michael Clayton, which is an all-timer. You've got the Oceans movies. You've got Syriana. You've got One Fine Day. Help me, guys. Oh, my God. Uh, with <laughs> you've got Out of Sight. Come out on. of sight. Out of sight. I'm on. Attack of the Killer um, Tomatoes. Spy Kids, whichever okay, one. Pine, I mean, we're pine, all of them. We're do this. Malcolm X, Training Day. I mean, those two... But immediately end man the discussion. Fire. Man on man, fire. Man on fire. Inside man. man. Fallen. I love Fallen. Yes. Fallen. Remember yes. the Titans. You've never seen Fallen. Glory. I don't remember Glory. the Titans. So... <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, let fences? me see who else. I mean, come on. Fences. Fences is very good. It is Fences very good. Is American good. Gangster. American. Equalizer. I mean, what are we even talking about here? This stands out all day, every Tom day. Tom Cruise, Cruise, people. Tom Cruise. Cruise. Yeah. Come Cruise. on. Six Mission Impossible movies. Five of them are good. <laughs> Interview with the Vampire. <laughs> Interview with the Vampire. We have... Things other secret shame. I love Interview with the Vampire. That's, one of my, that's my top five fucking favourite films. It's not a secret shame. What? A, a public shame. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Interview with the Vampire is one of my favourite films. Absolutely adore that's, it. That's... This is a this is a big surprise. You think you know someone? You think you you know someone for? A, God, how long have we known each other? Too long, too damn long. But that's that's a that's a revelation for me. Uh, so let me see. What else do we have? Tropic we have, Thunder. Uh, Tropic Thunder. Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> oh. yes. Wait, Edge of Tomorrow. Risky Business. That's War of the Worlds. Top Guns. Top Actual Gun. Minority Report. Moves. Top Actual Gun. Yeah. If you pause it just if right, you pause Chris, it just right, you, you can, can see, see his penis. penis. <laughs> <laughs> You can. Why did <laughs> what I'm saying? What I'm saying is, I'm on that the, the merits of Tom Cruise should not be dismissed so readily. It's all I'm saying. It's all I'm saying. Okay, I, can, I love I can, Denzel. I can get behind that statement. I, I, I'm, I will, I will stop dismissing it so readily. But it's Denzel is still the <laughs> Denzel is still the only right answer to that question. When you actually break it all down. <laughs> It's Denzel. We seem to have derailed the quiz and turned this into (laughs) Mr. Chris Goes to Washington. (laughs) (laughs) All right, okay. We will do the Denzel Washington ranking. We will do the Denzel Washington ranking, but you have to put Fallen in your top 10. That is, uh, that's non negotiable. Time is on your side. (laughs) (laughs) All right, okay. Maybe you you don't have to. Number 11 will be fine. Uh, All right, (laughs) Helen, what is your fact this week? My fact is about Gone with the Wind um, because of the family connection, obviously, with Scarlett O'Hara. Um, and it's about Olivia de Havilland, who plays Melanie in it, who's her kind of rival slash bestie. Isn't um, she still alive? She is still alive, uh, as mm-hmm. far as I know. Yeah, she's um, she's hanging on in there, living in Paris, uh, living it up, probably. Um, so Olivia de Havilland was actually under contract to Warner's, which was not the studio that made Gone with the Wind. Um, but everybody thought she'd be a really good Melanie. And the whole question was, would Warner's let her do it? And Jack Warner was like, no, fuck off. She's mine because she was under contract. But George Cukor really believed in her and uh, wanted her to do it. So he basically smuggled her onto the RKO lot. Like she literally had to park down the street and go in through a back door. And then she read for the part of Melanie with George Cukor, the director at the time, um, playing Scarlet. He literally wrapped himself in a velvet curtain and this small, fat, slightly older man played Scarlett O'Hara, the Great Southern Belle, um, to Olivia de Havilland's Melanie. And on the strength of that, she was offered the part by David O. Selznick. But Jack, Jack Warner still wouldn't let her do it, so she had to get go out to tea with his wife to try and persuade her to persuade him to release her from a contract in order to do go, Gone with the Wind, which she did and then got Oscar nominated for. So it worked out quite well. <laughs> also, the other thing I learned this week is that she, Clark Gable and Vivian Lee used to play Battleship between takes on set just to kind of get rid of the drama a little bit. Awesome. Ooh. Only ever play battleship. play battleship with William Sadler. That's, that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that's a good fact. That is a good fact. Um, Jimbo. <sighs> competition is fierce this week uh i have a cat fact for you a cat based <laughs> fact. Ready ahead of the year, boy. 
Is it Jonesy? Here it is. No, it's not Jonesy. That would have been my go-to cat. No, this harks back to the very, very first scene of Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather. So you'll remember Don Corleone is in his study. It is the day of his daughter's wedding. He is entertaining the undertaker, Bonacera, who has a favour to ask of him. So, so you remember... I, but, but, but not in that accent. Not in that accent. <laughs> not in that I believe accent. in America, Definitely. but not in that accent. I believe in America. America's made my fortune. Anyway. Wow. Oh Mario? Is he, yeah. Is he a Wario? Is he going to win? What? <laughs> I'm going to say it. I'm going to win. Yes, that's exactly what happened. This is problematic in so many ways. All right. All right. Let's move away from the dodgy, slightly xenophobic accent. So, so, so the cat, the cat. You will recall Don Vito is stroking a cat. And famously, one of the posters, one of the classic posters, not the one of the little the, the, the puppet poster, but the one of him with the cat. The cat is in the poster. Yeah? So, mm-hmm. on the day they were to shoot that, this was... Um, which was a last, session, a last second edition by Coppola. On the day that uh, they were going to shoot that, Coppola had been seeing this cat running around the studio a lot for days. Like this cat is just like a stray, it's just hanging around the studio a lot. So on that day, for no reason at all, he strolls up to this cat, which he's seen every day, grabs it by the collar, carts it into the room and dumps it in Brando's lap without, I might add, warning or any kind of explanation. He just dumps it in his lap and then walks off and gets behind the camera. And Brando's just sitting there with this fucking cat and is like, what the fuck is happening? So he starts stroking. Brando's a big cat person. He loves animals. So he starts stroking this cat. The cat clearly warms to him. So Brando just goes into the scene. He's stroking the cat. And the cat is enjoying the scene. The cat is enjoying the scene so much that its purring is so loud that the sound mixers are like, we are literally going to lose this entire fucking scene because you cannot hear what Brando's saying over the purring of the cat. So their concern was they were going to lose all it. You're going to have to subtitle it or reshoot it because you can't hear him over the cat. Uh, as it happens, it did work out in the mix, but you can hear, if you listen to it now, the incredible loudness of the purring throughout that scene. And this was because the cat was a last minute addition by Coppola for reasons unknown. And that is my cat-based fact. The cat's name is not known to anyone. But uh, advice to filmmakers, <laughs> I will say, um, take the gun, leave the cat. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> you, you come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding with this fact? It's a terrible fact. It's an awful fact. Um, wow. All right. that's, 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 that's my cat fact. That's, that's actually pretty good. Where did you get that from? Ooh. Uh, who who even knows with these things, Chris? Who even knows? Perhaps I just made it up. Perhaps that should be the issue. We call my bluff. We'll have a new section of this. Well, one of the facts. One of the facts is not a fact, and you have to guess which fact is not a fact. All right. This, this okay. fact is a fact. Because I I've read a lot about the Godfather over the years. I don't believe I've ever read that. So that's that's interesting to me. I feel like I have actually. Really? Not, not to back James up because yeah. you know how much that upsets me. Yeah. But Helen knows her cat facts. Oh, blimey. See, this, now, now it falls to me to pick a winner. And I have to say that this week, it was, they were three good facts. Three, three very, very solid facts. Um, however, the fact that tickled me most was the battleship revelation. So I'm going to go with Helen this week. Hooray! Boom! Helen wins. Now, of course, <laughs> this may be open to an appeal from the those who've been slighted, because technically speaking, that wasn't a fact she brought to the table. This was a a side fact. <laughs> so, if but if, unless there's any objections, I'm going with it. And Helen I mean, it, is. It came from the same source, honest. It so. came from the same source. Okay, I'm going with that. Uh, Amon, it was a good fact. You should not feel that you have let yourself down in any way, shape, or form. Except you have, obviously, but uh, 
but it was a decent fact. Next time you come on the show, um, you know what you have to do. You know what you have to do. You have to go to the mattresses. <laughs> you, have to, you have to be prepared to fight tooth and nail. Yeah. Uh, Jimbo, it was a good fact. Thank you. But ultimately, Amon lost 11-5, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's all that matters. So in basketball, in basketball, like in one-on-ones in basketball, you said yeah. it was meant to be 11-0. But is that you just yeah. using British parlance? Because surely in, in the States it would be 11-0, wouldn't it? Or do they use nil over there? It's 11-0, really. Um, 11-0? Oh. Yeah. That's, oh. that's when, when you're on the street, you know, basketball like that, yeah, it's 11-0. Okay, that's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, That is very, very interesting indeed. Uh, all right, well, um, now it is time to move smoothly, uh, just like Amon and James's heads, uh, straight into <laughs> the listener questions. Can I, uh, this week we have... T- can I just what? say, before we get in, you know... Oh, this is dangerous. You, you make jokes <laughs> about me and James's head. Who is just... All the, all the guys, you know, you know, their hair's going nuts in quarantine... Not a problem for uh, me and James. We just wake up, we go no, like this, not. and we're good to I'm go. Deeply, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm partly envious, but also because I know that, that you and James are where I'm, I'm going. That it's, it's happening. <laughs> that there's nothing I can do about it, and that's uh, that's a real shame. Look, also, I mean, look, guys... if it's good enough for most of the cast of Fast and Furious, it's good enough for anyone. <laughs> She's not wrong. Come on, but come on, James. James, and to quote Terry Gilliam about Bruce Willis, you know, Bruce Willis's head is a monument to cranial architecture. Mm-hmm. And James, and this really pains me to say it, James has got a good shaped head. Amon has got a good shaped head. I, I am like. I'm like a badly laid playground. There are bumps all over the place. It's just, it's, it won't, it won't go well whenever I have to go fully, fully bald. And uh, so, listen, when I say that your heads are smooth, I say it with love and envy. Shall we have some listener questions? Right. <laughs> Can we proceed? Okay, good. Uh, right, so we have two listener questions. These were crackers that were held over from last week. Uh, the first one comes from at Burton-esque 92, and it's unrelated to the quarantine business. Uh, what fake movies within TV shows do you wish were real? Because I could watch The Rural Juror right about now. Now, um, I've only just realized that he says movies within TV shows. Um uh, and I have prepared movies within movies, and I hope uh, you guys did as well. Okay. No, nope. <laughs> I've prepared I nothing, so actually, it doesn't inconvenience me. <laughs> you know, this, given that this uh, is the Empire Film Podcast <laughs> and not the Pilot TV Podcast, uh, so <laughs> you know, I love the way your your little impression of me plugging the Pilot TV Podcast has taken on a life of its own here. How do how do I do it? How do I sound? <laughs> Pilot TV Podcast. <laughs> Pilot out. <laughs> um, anyway. Is, uh, I am yeah, winning, I, by the way. The most recent comment on iTunes for Pilot is like, I finally listened to this because James won't stop banging on about it on the Empire podcast. So I'm, it's a war of attrition, and I like to think I'm winning. Gradually, one by one, I'm wearing people down. Yes. <laughs> mainly, okay. you, mainly you lot, but, you know. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, I prepared movies of the movies because I just assumed that's what the question was. I, I kind of skim read it. Do we think people know what the rural juror is? The rural juror. The rural juror. The rural juror is a uh, is a, a movie within the universe of Thirty Rock yes. that uh, Jenna Maroney uh, stars in at one point, and it, it takes in, a, think, yeah. yeah, and it takes a whole life of its own. And there's a musical version of the rural juror mm. with uh, incredible songs about the rural juror, and uh, it's just a very <laughs> very funny thing. And the, the problem at the beginning is that Liz Lemon has no idea what the music is, the movie is because she's been talking. Uh, Jenna's been talking about it for months, but she 
can't put together the sounds to make any words that make sense. All she hears is the is the rorodura, and it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense to her. Anyway, you had to be there. Everybody should watch Thirty Rock. That'll get you through yeah. this difficult time. It's fantastic. Um, um, I would also say, literally any film that Tracy Jordan stars in in that would would also <laughs> be worth watching. <laughs> they would they are, they would be at least as good as any of the Adam Sandler Netflix films. Yes, Chris, even Murder Mystery. <laughs> I strongly suspected you were talking out of your arse. Um, but just just no. remind us of some of those Tracy Jordan movies, Helen. Uh, oh, God, I don't remember all the names now. Hang on, I'm going to look them up. because the, Okay, I'm going to say the, the best one. The absolute best one was that he was in a an African-American remake of An Affair to Remember, which was called A Affair to Remember Black. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, um, wow. Who Dat Ninja? That sounded fun. <laughs> um, black cop, <sighs> white cop. One does the duty, the other gets the booty. <laughs> oh, amazing. Wasn't there something about a baby? There was a there baby. There was, was definitely some kind of baby. Hang on, I'm going to look there this up. There probably was. <laughs> See, I, I actually read the question, so I did... You know, oh, try and find, point, find. Oh, point for Amon. <laughs> I did try and find some movies within TV shows, which was tricky because most of the shows that I watch don't really do that sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But I did come across um, a Simpsons episode uh, where Homer and Marge uh, visit the pictures. On the film marquee outside, outside uh, these are the films that are listed as now playing Three Fast, Three Furious. Yes. Kill Bill, <laughs> Kill Kill Bill Maher, uh, Breast yes. Camp, Explosion Two, Dude, Where's My Prostate, Baby Cops Three, <laughs> Tired and Cranky, Michael yes. Eisner versus Michael Ovitz, and oh, Disney's uh-huh. Stroller Rental, the movie. Uh, so that's on the marquee, and uh, the trailer, uh, which Homer and Marge watch. Uh, it's for a film called a, a DreamWorks animated film called Cards. Uh, it features Eddie Murphy as a jack of clubs who is arrested by police cards because he thought a king was a queen. It features a young three of diamonds card <laughs> okay. who wants to be a seven and uh-huh. has a jack of diamonds card who is a caricature of Jack Nicholson and says you can't handle the twos at one point at one point in the trailer. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure if I'd want to. I'm not sure if I prescriber would watch to that, but I'd be intrigued. <laughs> yeah, that's um, good. I find some more Tracy Jordans. Um, in in reverse order of amazingness, uh, number three, Sherlock Homey. Number two, Samurai I Amurai. Mm. <laughs> he spent he spent nine months in Japan to make that one. And number one, no question, with a bullet. Honky Grandma Be Trippin'. <laughs> yes, I remember that now. Honky Grandma Be Trippin'. I would uh, absolutely watch Lord. Samurai I Amurai. I want to watch that right now. Samurai I Amurai. Yeah. Yes. So, um, given, given Helen's got some TV ones, but James hasn't mm. prepared anything, as this is wont, uh, Amon has prepared nothing but TV stuff, we could come back to this next week and just do films within films. We can pull some films I, within films out of our yeah, collective arses. Uh, speaking yeah. of which, I will kick off with Satan's Alley from Tropic Thunder, which is a film I think is begging to be made. 
It's is that is. what you think it's begging for? All, no. all the all the sequels to uh, Ben Stiller's character in in that film, Tropic Thunder. Uh, I've forgotten the name escapes me right now, but um, the the trailers which they have for the sequels always make me crack up. They're hilarious. Oh, Scorcher! It's a called Scorcher, isn't it? Um, I believe there is. Yeah. 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 Every single like- every single. Um, Every single sequel in 22 yes, Jump Street's that's credits. exactly what I was going to yes. say. Every single one of them. <laughs> Every Lucas Lee film, hmm. especially Action Doctor. Action uh, Doctor, yes. The, the, uh, the tagline is, the good news is you're going to live, the bad news is he's going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually hilarious. Yeah, that is that's great. great. Um, and on a slightly more classical movie note, um, two different films, Jaws 19, directed by Max Spielberg. Ah. I mean, God love that. It's a real That's return a to form for the franchise, I think. Um, and the dancing slash dueling cavalier from Singing in the Rain. Yes, indeed. Oh, yeah. Indeed. All, all of Leonardo DiCaprio's films in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Huh. <laughs> yes. Uh, Some of which are real films, of course. <laughs> uh, a little bit of a blurring of the lines there from, from Tarantino. When Adam Sandler made Funny People, Judd Apatow, his character in that mm. movie is an Adam Sandler type who makes lots of high-concept Adam Sandler-esque schlock. And then, of course, Adam Sandler took the piss out of the high-concept movies he was appearing in and then promptly went on to make Jack and Jill. So it's like, <laughs> I haven't learned a thing, but there's some good films in, in Funny People. So there's My Best Friend is a Robot, in which he co-stars with Owen Wilson, who plays a robot. Wow. <laughs> um, there's a redo in which Sandler plays a six-month-old baby. And then there's huh. Merman, of course, in which he plays um, a, a merman. Um, none of those have Adam Sandler solving mysteries uh, with mm-hmm. Jennifer Aniston whilst on holiday in Europe. So they're not quite as good as the real thing, I oh would my say. God. <laughs> I would like to see the definitive production of Hamlet as trailed in mm-hmm. Last Action Hero. Yes. <laughs> to be or not to be. Not to no, be. To be. <laughs> it's it's what Shakespeare would have wanted. I think, so. I think I think Will would have been with that one. Yeah. I mean, there are so many. When I started to put this together, there are loads and loads and loads of great films and films, some of which we see. We So, for example, in Burn After Reading, which is one of my favourite Coen Brothers movies, we get to see uh, Coming Up Daisy, which sounds <laughs> frankly wrong. Uh, but it stars, it stars Dermot Moroney. Do you remember that? You see, there's this scene where he, you see him looking at someone in the tree and goes, Come on, get out of that tree. Uh, will you get down from that tree, will you? Uh, and uh, I'd like to see that one. And if only just to give Dermot Mulroney some work, which would be nice. Um, and then of course, there's Stab from Scream 2, the beginning mm-hmm. of Scream 2. Uh, and Stab gets very complicated because then there's like, but Stab 4 mm-hmm. in Scream 3, it's all very, very complicated. There's like a reboot of Stab and yeah. Yeah. In, in Scream 4, yeah. uh, there's things like Coming Home in a Body Bag from True Romance. There's the Austin Powers movie starring Tom Cruise as Austin Powers at the Ooh. beginning of Austin Powers yeah. in Gold Member. Yep, directed uh, by Spielberg, of course. Tr- yes, indeed. Chubby <laughs> Rain, uh, lest we forget. Chubby Rain. Chubby Rain and Fake <laughs> fake uh, Purse Ninjas, which is the movie that ends Bowfinger. Mm-hmm. And Chubby Rain is the movie that they're trying to make all the way through Bowfinger. Uh, but Fake Purse Ninjas is the one at the end where, where you have Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy doing really hilarious bad uh, karate karate uh, so yeah there's, there's loads Hail Caesar every single movie in Hail Caesar mm-hmm. Coen Brothers just, are good on this stuff aren't yeah, they yeah they really are especially the Channing Tatum musical 
<laughs> uh, oh, there's uh, Meet Pamela, which is the movie they're making all the way through Truffaut's Day for Night. But there's also yeah. uh, the, the two that are close to my heart. Uh, one is Angels with Filthy Souls, which is the Angels with Dirty Faces type movie <laughs> from Home Alone. And I say that because uh, A, Seth Rogen thought it was a real movie and only just recently found out uh, famously on Twitter that it wasn't, that it was a fake movie. And two, because it's actually better than the movie it's in. Uh, <laughs> Home Alone is a terrible film. That Everybody is it's a terrible, awful, awful all. film. And uh, Angels with Filthy Souls that, is a much, is, much better movie. That is a and I'd blasphemous like to see it. statement. It's not blasphemous. It is a terrible film and Kevin deserves be shot into the sun at the uh, <laughs> in fairness most John Hughes protagonists from the from the mid 80s films deserve to be shot into the sun Ferris How Bueller is a fucking arsehole Uncle he Buck is, an is my god Uncle Buck is I said that's why I said most that's why I said most but Ferris Bueller absolutely without a shadow of a doubt will be working in the Trump administration right now uh, he would be he'd probably be trying to reopen the American economy uh, right now uh, the last film I'm going to say is uh, it's a porno, guys. Sorry, mm. I've got to bring the tone down. And it's See You Next Wednesday, which is the <laughs> spot on porno that they're watching in the sex cinema in an America Werewolf in London. And See You Next Wednesday, of course, is a motif that runs through all of John Landis's films. Is it a, pre- is it a sequel to See You Next Tuesday? Where did you bring that up, James? <laughs> <laughs> See you next Bangly Bang Day. Um, <laughs> is it a superior porn yeah. film to Log Jamming from The Big Lebowski? <laughs> Uh, I don't think so I don't think so or any of the uh, the movies they make in um, Boogie Nights oh god yeah yeah but it's it's a tremendous kind of spot on parody of uh, late 70s British porn I'm guessing I've read Uh, anyway the next question comes from at Batmanwell 101 Uh, and uh, they ask what would you do if you had no access to any streaming services during the isolation and you could only use your DVD collection, what movies would you watch on rotation? I mean, I feel like I'd be okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like I am okay. Yeah. I've got quite a few, so, so you know. I've got I've got a few. I'm, I'm more of a digital dude, um, so you know, it wouldn't uh, benefit me in that regard, but I do have a few. So I've got Mad Max Fury Road, um, I've got Pacific Rim, mm-hmm. I've got The Martian, I've got Parasite, I've got Booksmart, I've got Uncut Gems, but I don't think I don't think I'd be watching Uncut. It's, it's already you know stressful enough without adding Uncut Gems <laughs> on on rotation. Um, but Parasite, especially, I can imagine enjoying that a whole bunch because I'm sure that there are there will always be things that I'd be seeing which I hadn't seen previously on uh, rewatches. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think I'd be fine too. <laughs> Value. I think you need to go for value if you're going to have things on rotation. So for me, I think if I would just, I mean, frankly, I've got a fuck ton of DVDs, so it would make no difference to me. In fact, I very rarely watch films on streaming services anyway, because invariably, if I want a film, I'll get it. So I'll, I'll have the disc anyway. But I would probably, uh, if I was going to rotate some things, I would go through the Lord of the Rings extended editions, because that would keep me going mm-hmm. for quite a goodly while. Uh, Star Wars and actually the whole of the MCU. I could do with a nice bit yes. of rotating as well. I think things like that, things where it's almost like watching a TV series, you've got a bit of long-form storytelling in there. I think that's the, uh, that's the secret to uh, isolation survival. I've been re-watching mm. The Godfather, for example, yes. and I haven't done that in well mm. over a decade, but 
I'm giving it another go because, uh, you know, what else are we going to do right now, exactly. right? Yeah. I mean, and you'll be keeping an eye on the cat well. and listening really for the long. loud purring, won't you, Helen? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's what I'm really riveted by, James. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good shout. That is a good shout. Uh, I, so I, I got rid of loads of my DVDs and Blu-rays when I moved house uh, a couple of years ago. So I don't have as many as I used to. In fact, some, some people listening to this probably have collections numbering in the thousands. I have a couple of hundred. Uh, that's all. I feel, I feel, it feels very paltry uh, and undernourished, my DVD collection. Um, I don't tend to buy that much these days. Um, because of streaming, and I, I do like physical stuff. I do like you know having something that you can actually hold in your hands and put into your your Xbox or your Blu-ray mm-hmm. player or whatever. Um, but I, I've got some good stuff. I've got the great Alfred Hitchcock box set, um, great Kubrick box set. I've got an early Buster Keaton thing. I've got a Cohen's box set. Uh, I've got all the the major food groups. You know your Batman's, uh, your your Back to the Futures, your Friends. Every episode of Friends. That's very important to have that mm-hmm. on on DVD and whatnot. Then Gary Glenn Ross, Ghostbusters, Heat, you know, all the good stuff, all the good stuff. But yeah, mainly box sets. That's where it's at. You know, lots of John Carpenter stuff, Rocky. Uh, weirdly enough, I don't have every single Marvel Cinematic Universe movie Shut on up. Blu-ray. Really? Not even close. Not even close. I mean... I don't have every single why? one. Why? <laughs> because uh, they're streaming? They but got, you don't someone's, own sorry, them. You don't own Ant-Man and the Wasp? Uh, no, I incredibly mean. not. Incredibly not. <laughs> Are I you have, such a I have, I have 15 digital copies, so I have, I'm, <laughs> I'm constantly multi-screening. Whatever, any room you walk into in my flat, uh, Sonny Birch is on the TV or he's on an iPad. And just his face. Uh, so what I've done is, because I've, I've downloaded it digitally, I was able to do some jiggery-pokery and I've cut everybody out of the movie except for Sonny Birch. So it is now, it's, well, it's only four and a half minutes long, but it's still pretty damn good. I just have the essentials, you know, the caps, the Avengers, the caps. I have a, basically yeah. that. I have a digital download code right here for Spider-Man Far From Home that I've never used. <laughs> Which you can have, Chris. You can have this to start your collection. It's not a physical disc, but it'll do. It's on Sky. We we rewatched it the other night, and of course now it is on Sky. It's uh, quite useful because you can you can pause it at home and you can see things like Jake Gyllenhaal showing up in the Fennis sequence before Mysterio appears. You can you can mm. you can spot that frame because, because famously when you watch a DVD, you have to speak to the little man, the projectionist, and ask him to run it back. So obviously it's not really possible, is it? <laughs> then you have to go stop it there. Right no, there. there. No. Enhance. Yeah. Computer, enhance. Zero <laughs> in that spot. Now drop everything out. Drop everything but Sonny Birch out. And he's like, Sonny Birch is leaving in this film. Like, I don't care. Make Sonny Birch be in this movie. Um, I'm looking at my DVD collection, which is over here. I've got a lot of Region 1s, and I feel very bad about that because I no longer have the ability to play mm. Region 1s. Are they on the shelf with your like HD DVDs? <laughs> no, I, 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 I sold some of those, and I sent the rest to a reader. Yeah, oh. I, I need to get a Region 1 player again because I bought... A, like a cheap copy of Friday Night Lights and a cheap copy of Buffy a few years ago in Region 1 and also a box set of Slings and Arrows which was really highly recommended to me by James White of this parish um, and I haven't watched it yet I've had it for literally probably seven, eight years and I haven't had a Region 1 player the whole time because I bought it when I had a flatmate with a Region 1 player and then we moved out and then I haven't gotten around to it anyway, great story but if anyone has... <laughs> has seen it please let get in touch because i hear really good things i should sort Indeed. that out 
Indeed. Uh, I'm just glancing across, because for some reason I've got some DVDs in here and I've got some other things in the living room. But I'm looking at a Powell and Pressburger box set as well. Oh, That's four. very useful. I've got a Monty Python box set and, of course, all the Hellraisers. Uh, <laughs> so the, the good one and then all the rest. So this very very useful box set, but that's the one that's in the uh, it's in this little puzzle box. So it's in the lament configuration puzzle box shape, and I'm frankly terrified to open it just in case uh, Pinhead arrives and then slices me nipples with a razor. Yeah, best be safe. Best best to be safe. safe. Anyway, if you want to have your question read out on the Empire podcast, then uh, you can get in touch with us via a number of methods. Twitter is the best way, let's be honest. Uh, We're on there. It's at Empire Magazine. Use the hashtag Empire Podcast, or chances are we won't see it. Uh, You can directly tweet me as well. You can DM me also uh, and see if that works. Uh, We're on Facebook, and we're also on email podcast at empireonline.com. I think we may have an email question lined up already for next week, but do keep them coming uh, because we do want to tackle more than one question every week uh, whilst this whole COVID business is going on. Uh, Time now, though, for this week's movie news. And this is the first week, guys, really that the lockdown has squeezed movie news, I feel. I don't think there's a whole lot out there to discuss, is there? Uh, So, yeah, there's been a couple of trailers. Uh, There's a trailer for The Eddie, which is Damien Chazelle's a new show about jazz, which I really uh, liked. Um, the cast, uh, this, it's got and- Andre Holland in the lead, who I'm a big fan of. I think I first saw him in 42, and I've only grown to be a bigger fan of him the more uh, of his work that I've seen. I mean, he was in Selma, he was in Moonlight, yeah. he was on that great show with Clive Owen, I think it was called The Nick. Um, he yes. was in Steven Soderbergh's High Flying Bird last year, which I really, really liked. Uh, and I think he's one of the guys who should be a bigger star than he is. Uh, if you add that to Damien Chazelle, who, in my mind, is three for three right now, uh, and the story involving jazz, which is very much in uh, Damien Chazelle's wheelhouse, then this is something I'm very much looking forward to seeing. Cool. All I heard I mean, from you there, Amon, sorry, was Dune, Dune, Dune. There are pictures of Dune, Dune. There's Dune, there was an article <laughs> of Dune, Vanity Fair and stuff in Dune. Sorry, is that what you were saying? Because that's clearly the only news this week, <laughs> as I think we can we all agree. some... T- yeah, there were some technical glitches. James, I think I just heard from you there, and I, I don't know if anyone else heard this. All I heard from you was June, June, June. There are new pictures of June, 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 June. But that's kind of normal, so I'm not sure if that was... Is anyone else hearing that? No, I think, I think that's an old recording. I think that's okay. an old recording of James that's just come through. Oh, don't pretend you're not hey. excited about this, Helen. So much as I hate well, I mean, to give oxygen to our competitors, Vanity Fair uh, revealed their their pictures from uh, from Denny Villeneuve's long awaited Dune, uh, and they're pretty exciting. I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, Villeneuve talks a little bit about why he split the film in half, obviously because it's a huge, sweeping epic and unmanageable in a single volume. I think that's self-explanatory. But we saw some lovely pictures mm-hmm. in here, and it showed you uh, it shows you uh, Jessica and Paul in their still suits standing out in the desert in Wadi Rum, uh, where they shot this in Jordan, which is kind of cool. Uh, interesting that the first look is they they the still suits remind me a little bit of the the David Lynch one because they've just got the little nose things. I'm not sure. I think we see still got later on with the proper hood because obviously you're going to maintain moisture. You're going to lose like heat through your head. You're going to sweat. Yeah, you you're going to want a hood. They they are absolutely there, yeah. and you can actually see that the side of Paul's one that he has the bigger mask that goes over more of his yeah. face. So it's not just it's a just little un, unhooked karma clock little nose so. thing that he uses. <laughs> Uh, but my <laughs> but, my main takeaway was that I don't think Oscar Isaac has ever had a bad beard day. True, very true. He also gives I a magnificent mean, yeah. side eye in one of these pictures. <laughs> he really does. 
Yeah. He really does. Someone did point out something interesting is that the Atreides here seem to have. I love your start. Uh, <laughs> uh, a line in quite sort of hardcore metal, sort of brush metal armor. And someone said, does this mean they will not be using the kind of, you know, the kinetic shields that they have? And I was like, no, no, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Helen, Helen, you may know for a fact whether the shields feature in this, but you probably won't be able to tell us, will you? <laughs> Couldn't possibly say, James. That's a yes. Don't Excellent. Something uh, I can mention. I can, I can now say that I saw the beard in person. I'm sure you did. It's a really good beard. I'm sure you it's did. It's a really good beard. Are you okay? Have you recovered? You need <laughs> to send someone around. I mean, honestly, it's it's been bringing back a lot of memories this week. So that's been <laughs> such a good beard. Jeez. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm super 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 excited about this and. Uh, and yeah, I like all the pictures. Um, somebody said on Twitter um, that maybe it's a little bit more toned down than I think they hoped. They wanted more Baroque yeah. um, in their kind of costuming and so on. But I I think you can still expect some Baroqueness. I think these are very much, you know, everyday working uh clothes and armor yes. and obviously still suits um still suits by the way being what you wear in the desert to basically reclaim every single piece of moisture in your body so your sweat is collected saliva pee whatever comes out of you is basically then collected purified by the suit so you can then drink it again and you can survive so in what the we're saying is they're all drinking poo water <laughs> yeah ultimately yeah they are uh-huh um but but Isn't filtered so if it made my, my beard grow like that, I would shovel that shit down, literally. Of course, of course as, you know, as you know, he's growing that beard on Caledon, his, his original planet that they were, uh, you I know, mean, all grew up on. He, he didn't grow obviously. that from Arrakis. Uh, speaking of beards, uh, Jason Momoa isn't here. It's Duncan Idaho. Uh, and he is without mm -hmm. beard. And frankly, it's freaking me the fuck out. Like Momoa beardless, just, it's, it's just wrong. It's like when you see Richard Schiff in things when he's shaved, you're like, no, 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 wrong, wrong. Mm. Yeah, this is correct. He should have a beard. Uh, all the time. Also, Sharon Duncan Bruce is in here as Liet Kynes, the gender swapped Liet Kynes. I think that role's been been beefed out a lot in the film, which I'm quite excited about. Obviously, the dude bros on the internet are incensed that it's been gender swapped. Oh, Jesus Christ! I mean, but uh, look, I mean, we love June, we right? Do. Okay, we love it. But every woman in the book is defined. <laughs> by either a familial relationship to a man, almost certainly yeah. Paul. She's a concubine or a nun or both. <laughs> and, you know, it's not it's not a wide range of... of the shout-out Mapes really, is, is uh, possibly the only character in there who might pass the Bechdel test. I mean, it's it's not... No, it, it passes Bechdel. Women talk to each other a lot. About but, anything other than Paul? You know. Surely not. <laughs> Pretty I rare, hear he yes, drinks his own shit. He does. And that comes up in conversation quite a lot. <laughs> That's what Mwadid <laughs> means in the original Fremen. He who eats shit. Oh, my word. Um, well, that's exciting stuff. And I was obviously fully engaged to listen to every single word of that. Um, the, the, the first, so the first picture they dropped, though, was Timothy Chalamet looking a bit like Morrissey on a kind of Smith's album cover on a beach with what looked like newspapers flapping oh. around in the background. They are, of course, no, he transports. Was doing his, he was doing his, yeah, he was doing his Byronic thing in a fantastic <laughs> coat on a beach. And, uh, and yeah, those were obviously yeah. transports. I mean, they may have looked like flying sofas yeah. from a distance, but they were clearly transports coming to bring his family's belongings uh, all to... It did Iraq. resemble a kind of Zara catalogue shop, but sure, you know, it's all good. <laughs> June, surely. They do, they do, but they, they, do. they should expand. They should expand. And actually, actually, James, come on, Zara catalogues are all shot against white backgrounds. Oh, come sorry, on. Helen. 
I'm all for it. I'm absolutely all for this. Um, it looks it looks tremendous. Uh, sniping at June aside, it does look really, really great. So we cannot wait for it. And also, it's a movie that may be coming out this year. So <laughs> Godspeed. <laughs> yeah, Villeneuve sounds means. really optimistic that it will. So fingers yes. crossed. The thing, the only do thing, whatever it is you need to do. The only thing about this film that, that still sort of bugs me slightly is that I do worry that I'm never going to get to see the second part of it. <laughs> because they made part one. And so you've got to think, how much money has part one got to make before they green light <laughs> part two? Mm. Uh, One thing that I saw a lot on Twitter this week was uh, film journalists uh, going, oh my God, this looks tremendous. Dune is going to make no money whatsoever, but I am here (laughs) for every single And that is my worry. (laughs) Yeah. I think think there may be an element of underestimating, you know, the Timothy Chalamet factor um, and the Zendaya factor, actually. um, He he of the famous uh, $1 billion grocer behemoths. Well, no, but like Little Women did very, very, very well indeed. And I think he has that kind of momentum behind him of, you know, a real rising star that people kind of love watching. I specifically refer to man fancying people, but, you know, probably both kinds. Um, And uh, yeah, you know, they've made quite a lot of Zendaya in the advertising, given how small that role you would expect it to be in the first half of that book because she is Mm. barely in the first half of that book at all. So I kind of feel like they're emphasizing these extremely sexy people that they have in the cast, obviously also Rebecca Ferguson. And I don't know if you've noticed, but Oscar Isaac isn't bad either. And (laughs) it's, I feel like that's their biggest selling point right now. Plus all of the dad bros will go see it because, you know, every dad in the world has read June. So it could also be dependent on when the movie comes out in relation to when the lockdown uh, lifts because the first so the couple of movies the first couple of really big movies that are released as the lockdown uh, lifts are going to have a big presumably have a big sort of lift um, given that it will be the first of the big movies that people are returning to the cinemas to go like, oh my god so, the cinema the cinema what's on? on doesn't matter go go <laughs> exactly Peter Rabbit 2 five stars it's a film which people drink their own piss and shit let's go see it immediately <laughs> <laughs> Let me be clear that you don't see that happening, all right? I think it's important oh, right, to make okay. it clear yeah. right now. S- Salome um, just sits there and his face goes bright red at one point. It looks like he's straining. <laughs> and then suddenly he takes a long slurp from the straw in his suit. And you're like, oh, God. Ew. Yeah. Listen, no. that, he's fucked a peach. He'll do anything. <laughs> But yes, I think this is definitely going to be a big screen film. You do not want to see this on a, on a small screen at home. So that's yeah. another big selling point. And I think it will be visually spectacular. I think when we start seeing actual footage from this film, it's going to be super exciting. Who shot super. this movie? Greg Fraser. Oh yeah, Greg Fraser, who did uh, Rogue One and Zero Dark Thirty, right? Like both of those. Mm-hmm. Did some Mandalorian as well. So anyway, our Mandalorian story special. Now we're talking. Like three of us, we're all doing different tunes there, but I love it. Whoa, we were in beautiful harmony. Beautiful, beautiful harmony. Um, there was, yes. There was also a trailer for Capone, which is Josh Trank's uh, new film. He's finally been let out of director jail. Uh, this film was previously called Funzo. <laughs> Not for this <laughs> <one>. <laughs> This feels like part of his sentence. <laughs> 
but yeah, it, it, it looks like it's going to focus on the last year of Capone's life, which is a smart decision because a lot of biopics end up going for something that's more cradle to the grave. And more often than not, that ends up proving to be a detrimental choice because you can't really focus on any period of the subject's life. Um, so yeah, this, this trailer was solid. Um, the, the supporting cast, in addition to Tom Hardy as Capone, you got Linda Cardellini, you got Matt Dillon, you got Kyle McLahan. So that's really cool. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, hope How did that- you say that name? How did you pronounce that name? McLachlan? So McLachlan, yep, sorry. <laughs> please, can we now make that canon? <laughs> and please, please welcome Kyle McLachlan. <laughs> Oh man! No, it's fair. I spelt it wrong in my notes. <laughs> right. No, it's good. It's good. I like oh, it. Oh boy! Um, he played. He played, yeah, of course, it, Angel Del Kuiper on uh, on Twin oh, Peaks. <laughs> but yeah, Josh Trank. Uh, he he went on Twitter and sort of said that this was definitely his cut of the film, which is reassuring because. Uh, as we know about his Fantastic Four film, that was not uh, his cut of the film. So at least there is that. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by yes. this one. I'm sure his cut would have been so much better. <laughs> Release the Trank I, I, cut. I, 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 for one, I for one am reassured that we're going to see Josh Trank's cut. <laughs> I just, it's good that the director is having his full vision. We've mm-hmm. made it to screens. Sometimes that doesn't happen. That's all. That's what I'm saying. No, absolutely. I, I, look... Yeah. No one can read anything else into my voice. <laughs> um, I mean, but, uh, it was yeah, it was sad. a dreadful film, though. It's a, it, well, no, it's bad. I, I, I yeah. distinctly remember the screening of that film and just the the hush and the sigh when they try and sort of say the Fantastic Four name at the end of the film <laughs> was just <laughs> I will never forget it. It's like you you were begging them, don't do it, don't do it. It was. Fantastic. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? What did you just do? <laughs> that film, honestly. Yes. But, it, but yeah. And did that come after Avengers did the exact same thing or before? Came after. I see. Yeah. And it was a couple of months, right? It was long enough that you could have yeah. recut slightly so you're not, mm-hmm. you know, mimicking Age of Ultron as well. Not even like. Hey, hey, I will not. Yourself, I will yourself, not stand for this age of I'm Ultron saying, hate. I'm just saying. No, I'm not saying. I'm not hating on it. I'm just tread saying. softly, Helen, because you tread in my dreams. <laughs> I'm not hating on it. I like it. Language. Ultron. I'm just saying. Out of the four Avengers movies, it's, it's not. The fourth. It's the fourth. <laughs> I mean, that's accurate, but it's great. That's that's that fair. Yeah. Avengers: fair. Age of Ultron is better than the Avengers. I will stand by the statement till the day. And I you die. will you correct. will go down on that shit. It has <laughs> its moments, but the beginning of Age of Ultron is magnificent. No one's saying it doesn't have its moments. It's the beginning of Age of Ultron is better than the beginning of the Avengers. I'm just saying. That's that is fine. Accurate. I can agree with that. However, then the rest of the film happens, <laughs> and the Avengers is better oh! than Age of Ultron. It That's is lacking the- Sonny Birch, I have oh, to say. But if it, apart from that, <laughs> what? What? Wow, it's we've so managed good. to turn another right. podcast into Moving some kind away of from Avengers. Sonny <laughs> fucking Birch. Um, 
<laughs> have you seen the Mandalorian documentary series, which is coming? Sort of, I believe it's a companion piece I to have. our Mandalorian spoiler specials. It's a video <laughs> that Disney have done of the making of our spoiler special podcast, live filmed on Squadcast. Yeah. Uh, so that's very exciting. Yeah. So yes, yeah. Disney in no way panicking because they have no actual good original programming coming for the foreseeable. Um, are bringing out Disney Gallery Star Wars The Mandalorian, which is a kind of a, a behind the scenes look at how the show got made. Uh, and these are going to start rolling out on mm. May the 4th, appropriately enough. Um, to of keep course, us going, yeah. to keep us ticking over until the Mandalorian season two arrives. So uh, that's good. Oh, may the yeah. force be with yeah, you. See what they've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, and before we get into this week is new Empire Week, the latest issue of Empire is out. But before we get into that, we should say that the great Tim Brooke Taylor, one third of the Goodies, a comedy trio that uh, I grew up with, not literally, I wasn't living with them or anything in uh, in the UK, uh, passed away this week uh, uh, with uh, COVID nineteen related illness uh he was 79 i believe and he was kind of always my favorite goodie in a way the other goodies by the way in case you don't know are graham garden and bill Oddie. and uh, the goodies they stopped being a thing around about the mid 80s but they were really just really fun uh, flamboyant sort of python-esque humor and uh, tim brick taylor you may you'll you'll have seen him in lots of things over the years he was a staple on sorry i haven't a clue uh on uh, Radio 4, but he was also in, very, very briefly, things like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, so there was a clip going around this weekend, uh, this week of him having an argument with a computer. And uh, he was just a tremendous, tremendous, apparently a really, really lovely, lovely guy. Mm. Yeah, genuine warmth, I thought, in a lot of the obituaries um, for him mm. this week, which, you know, sometimes they can be a bit impersonal and just admiring, but there was there was real love there this week. Indeed, and you could do a lot worse this week than just uh, you know, over the next hour or so after this podcast is over, obviously, going to YouTube and just typing in goodies and having a look at some goodies clips because there's a lot of fun there to be had. Uh, Tim Brooke who passed away this week. Time now to talk about this week's new empire, or should I say this month's Woo-hoo! new empire, because it is time for the new issue of the world's biggest movie magazine. It is hitting shelves which are things that exist in stores if you don't remember what stores are they're a thing in the middle of town centers if you don't remember what town centers are then you can google it um there are things that are outside (laughs) if you don't remember what outside is i can't really help you with that one i've I've forgotten myself uh but of course we'll get to how you can pick up your new issue of empire at the end of this but it is a cracking issue what is on the cover Oh my word, it's a lot of colours. It's all the colours, in fact. All the colours of the rainbow and several rainbows uh, because on the cover is a Wonder Woman 1984. Oh yes. Yay! And yes, and yes, we finished cover. this issue seconds before they pushed the movie back, but <laughs> what can you do? <clears throat> but yes, Helen O'Hara for It Is She was on set of this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us about it, Hells. I was on set of the movie um, and then I went and I talked to all of the cast and crew because I didn't really get a chance. Obviously, they were busy, you know, making the movie when I went there. Um, so I was excuse. on. I know it was a bit bit rubbish, um, but they were ab- absolutely delightful when I did get to talk to them earlier this year. Um, and I also on set, I went around uh, loads of locations and set sets that they built uh, up in the studios in Leavesden. So they had, you know, the Smithsonian, they had the White House you can see in the trailer. They had Wonder Woman's apartment that you also see in the trailer. Um, 
they had parts of Themyscira. They were doing stunt work with the Amazons. Um, and uh, and then I went down into central London and saw them filming a big party scene, which is also all in the trailer. So I can I can tell you all that without without fear of spoilers. Um, and uh, and yeah, and then we got to, you know, talk to the cast, pin down a few more things. They are very good at talking about this film without giving anything away in terms of plot. Like, <laughs> like I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if there's an entire character that we don't know anything about at this point. I feel like there was a there was a significant pause at one point in when I was talking to one person that suggested there might be, and that's all I've got. But there's yeah, they 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 were fascinating anyway, even without telling me what's going on. <laughs> what Helen means to say is that she's brought the world the first look at this movie and the, and the first word and she knows everything there is to know about this everything. and you should pick it up it is a must read it is essential and we're fully clued up on this movie fully clued up but genuinely I, th- I feel like there's a lot of, of really interesting stuff in there about the movie there just isn't anything plotty which actually is a pretty good way to be in terms of Again, you what don't Helen want means to, know. to say is, <laughs> you don't want spoilers. I'm telling you, you don't want spoilers for this, but you do want to know like what they were thinking when they made it, and that's what I've okay. tried to bring you. That's that's what that's what's in this. It is good stuff. <laughs> it is Wonder Woman 1984. There's a lot of other great stuff aside the issue as well, of course. Uh, Tom Hanks. He's not dead. Yes. We're very, very happy about that. Um, and uh, also when he was uh, facing his battle with COVID-19 when he was he was recovering from the illness he took some time out of his schedule bless him to write for Empire exclusively and he wrote his own Wonder Woman 1984 piece and he is full of spoilers full of spoilers are you sure that's what he wrote Chris are you sure he didn't write about something else Oh, no, wait, hang on a second, I'm, I've misread. Yes, he uh, instead wrote about his forthcoming and now really forthcoming World War II movie, Greyhound, which again has been pushed back. But uh, this is a great issue in terms of if you want to read about movies that are coming out in November. <laughs> but also, uh, it is a cracking, cracking piece. Uh, he is one hell of a writer, and I like to think he wrote it at one of his typewriters, one of his yeah. funky collection of antique typewriters. I, I think so too. That is entirely in my head, Canon. Yeah, indeed. He's, he's, uh, that's a great, great piece. Uh, there are a couple of backwards-looking features, uh, which I'm going to get to as, as well. But also, I wrote a piece on Candyman, the upcoming reboot slash sequel to whatever the hell you want to call it, to the original Candyman. Uh, and I spoke to Nia DaCosta, the director. I spoke to Jordan Peele, the co-writer-producer. Uh, I spoke to the film star, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II as well, who was a, a lovely, lovely guy and told me about his fear of saying the C word, not the one that James says quite a lot, but <laughs> the name of the film. Uh, so that's, um, well, I, I'm too modest to say that that's a great feature, but uh, I think you're yeah, probably right. I think probably we wise. all know. I think we all know. Uh, otherwise, we have incredible, incredible features uh, about some retro movies. Russell Crowe got on the phone with us to talk about the 20th anniversary of Gladiator. Uh, we also have the true story of Edith Head, one of the greatest costume designers oh, cool. in the history of Hollywood. Uh, and um, we also have Darren Aronofsky talking about Requiem for a Dream, his knockabout, <laughs> knockabout romp, <laughs> Requiem for a Dream, 20 oh years gosh. on as well. Uh, and because, you know, things are going to shit, the world's going to hell in a handbasket right now, we also wanted to rediscover the joy of movies and the fact that movies can be a, 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 a 
place of solace uh, for us right now. So we have launched a new regular section uh, called the Comfort Zone as of this issue, in which Team Empire take deep dives into the films and the moments that make us feel warm and fuzzy inside. Uh, and for that, for example, we spoke to, uh, we, sometimes we don't speak to filmmakers, sometimes we do speak to filmmakers. Uh, I'm going to shout out something I did for that section. Uh, I interviewed Adam McKay, the great Adam McKay, about the fucking Catalina wine mixer, uh, doing a fucking deep dive. Wine it's the fucking Catalina wine mixer. Did a deep dive into that, that great segment from Step Brothers, where it came from. Um, Basically that, basically where it came from. And uh, and uh, we are now, we're on a promise, he and I, to go to next year's fucking Catalina Wine Mixer. So that's going to be, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure Empire will pay for that. <laughs> can, can you pay for me to fly out to go to a wine mixer, but you don't drink? Mm. No. Good, good point. Good point. I'll get back to you in that one. Uh, but there's loads of other great stuff inside the issue as well. We talked to Edgar Wright, wrote for us, of course, about uh, celebrating cinemas and about rallying behind movies and the film industry. Jim Sturgis is a pint of milk. We interviewed the Beastie Boys about their new documentary with uh, with um, Spike Jones. Uh, we review all the latest movies, the ones that are out uh, on digital uh, mainly as well. Um, in my section, review right at the back, uh, Ryan Johnson talks about Benoit Blanc. We have the inside story of Babu Frick. We have a huge four-page uh, ranking this month, which is about the best picture winners, um, all 92 of them somehow whittled down to 10 and no green book was not in the running <laughs> you'd be, be amazed to know um but uh it's a really really great issue and if you want to pick it up um we know that it may be difficult for people to get the stores that uh, supermarkets will still stock empire if you're in a supermarket that's where you can go but if you want to james what's the best way to pick it up greatmagazines.co.uk if you go to great magazines yes you can subscribe in fact there's a trial offer at the moment where you can get three issues for five pounds if you're not already a subscriber uh but yes on great magazines you can uh you can subscribe you can buy individual issues there as well you can buy it digitally you can get it on your uh, ipad android tablet fire whatever you want it's on readly it's on apple news plus Many, many places. There is, in fact, a story pinned to the homepage of EmpireOnline.com, which outlines all of these in case you didn't transcribe everything I just said. And uh, <laughs> and uh, subscription is the best way to guarantee your regular copy of Empire Always. being delivered to your door every single month. Bye, Chris. Uh, in, in this time of crisis or outside this time of crisis, I may or may not deliver it personally. I may or may not be living inside your walls right now, but uh, I kind of confirm or deny that. But uh, please do, if you can, I say this every week, but please do, if you can, support us if you can. Do subscribe if you can. And also people have been in touch this week to say that, you know, they're, they're, they're supporting this by buying subscriptions. It really, really does mean a lot. And also they're subscribing to our spoiler special podcasts as well, which of course are, are behind a paywall and have been for the last few weeks. And uh, we're keeping those coming thick and fast. We're keeping the content thick and fast uh, through the spoiler specials. Uh, so our regular weekly Mandalorian spoiler specials are, well, every week, as you might expect. Uh, but we're also beginning to roll out retro spoiler specials, uh, what with there being precious few films out to talk about at the moment. Uh, and the first First one of those will not be the Marvel Cinematic Universe ones, um, because we're, I'm trying to package those with interviews. Trying, trying 
to package those with interviews. Can't guarantee it, but we'll see. But the first one of those will be uh, a retro special dedicated to Gareth Evans' The Raid. And that is going to be out next week once we record our half of it. And this week I sat down with Gareth uh, over webcam, of course. And we had a long chat. Maybe not quite Macquarie length, but, but up there. A long chat about his movie, which I consider to be the best action movie of the last 30 years. And we go very, very in-depth. And uh, and he also talks about The Raid 3. In-depth, <laughs> properly, for the first time. For the first time. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the Spoiler Special Podcast, go to my pinned tweet. I'm at Chris Hewitt on Twitter. And there are detailed instructions of how to do so. Or you can just simply go to glow.fm, glow.fm forward slash Empire Film. And then fill in your details and you can subscribe monthly or you can subscribe annually as well. Also, I should mention very, very quickly that this week's, uh, this month's Empire comes with Pilot TV, a new, uh, a new issue of Pilot TV. James, what's in it? Well, Chris, much like the excellent Pilot TV podcast, Pilot TV magazine is also brilliant. And this month, it comes with all sorts of things in there. We've got, we've got a big feature on the third day, which is Dennis Kelly's new TV show, which involves a large live interactive element and has thus been pushed back for social distancing reason. But we get into all that in the magazine. Ricky Gervais talks to us about season two of Afterlife. That's very exciting. Lenny James talks to us about Save Me 2, uh, which there will also be an Empire Spoiler special podcast of coming up very, very soon as well. So that's pretty exciting we do a big list of the greatest tv characters uh in the mag otherwise looking forward the undoing david e kelly's new show the undoing which has got uh hugh grant and nicole kidman in it that's in there steve carell's space force comedy features two gangs of london gareth Evans uh, gangs of london oh, yeah. there, which i'm sure you've just been talking about um what else is in there killing eve season three is talked about the new marcellas focused in there as well uh, ryan murphy's hollywood lots and lots of stuff and also in the back section looking a little bit retro we do a big in-depth dive on the in-betweeners talking to the creators of that show uh there's a nice piece on uh on alias which you'll find in there too and amon i think you'll find there's there's a piece on limitless in there as well isn't it a spin-off of the bradley cooper movie written by amon warman himself that will be the feature not the Mm -hmm. film um and chris you wrote a nice little little ode to blackadder goes forth in there too Yes, I decided to elevate Pilot TV into the realms of the readable by uh, writing something for it. And, uh, I mean, I dashed it off in 10 minutes, but it's already the best thing in the issue. I mean, it and, uh, so I would, I would absolutely... <laughs> I would absolutely uh, pick up... Well, of course, you, if you buy an Empire magazine, you'll get Pilot with it, and then you'll be able to read it and go, oh, my God, Hewitt's knocked it out of the park again. What a ledge. Uh, anyway... And so modest. I mean, my God. <laughs> I've got so much to be modest about, Helen. It's a, it's a, a uphill battle every single day. But of course, pick up Empire. It's got an incredible Wonder Woman 1984 article. I cannot stress that enough. How much Helen knows about the plot of that film. And it's all I in that feature. I do know a lot about the plot, but I just feel like they're holding back some something major from me I, I just i have a feeling i have a sense i just it's a spidey sense tingling you mm-hmm. know it's that sort of everybody half of humanity is going to die at the end kind of feeling that you get sometimes okay yeah um, yeah i don't think that's okay. what's going to happen though not specifically no, hopefully not hopefully yeah. not uh, anyway <laughs> anyway uh this podcast is once again uh very very quickly entering the epic uh so that's enough of the movie news that's enough of the shameless plugs for empire because now it is time for shameless plugs 
for cinemas around the world that need your help during this unprecedented time. It is time for the hashtag celebrate our cinemas section. I'm going to give shout outs to cinemas around the world um, that are selling memberships or uh, doing fundraisers in some way that you can contribute to uh, and uh, try and keep these cinemas alive and going. So that whenever this this whole shit show is over, and by shit show I mean COVID-19, not this podcast, uh, when this shit show is over, Helen shaking her head. Uh, then you can, I, I sort of went. You can, <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, is it though? Yeah, that you can support, and they, they, these cinemas will still be open, and you can go to them. So, um, uh, first of all, there is a new BFI Resilience Fund that has just been launched. A 1.3 million pound Resilience Fund for exhibitor relief, launched by the British Film Institute, Film Institute in association with the National Lottery and FAN, F-A-N, the BFI Film Audience Network. Uh, so if you want to Google that and you can find out if there's ways that your cinema can be eligible for this fund, uh, you can make applications via your local film hub. But if you go to, if you just basically Google BFI FAN COVID-19 Resilience Fund, then you will find details of that. Um, I also want to give a shout out to uh, two cinemas in Leeds. Uh, our listener called Paul Homer wants to give shout outs to Cottage Road and Hyde Park Cinema. He says both are fantastic little cinemas uh, that um, obviously need your help as well. Moving swiftly from Leeds to Brooklyn in New York, it's a cinema I know not well, but uh, fairly well. I've been there a couple of times. It's the Nighthawk in Brooklyn, yes. uh, which is a tremendous, tremendous cinema. And they're closed right now, but they are raising money to help staff in the meantime. And there is a GoFundMe. So again, if you search GoFundMe uh, for Nighthawk, N-I-T-E, Hawk, staff fund. There are two Nighthawks, I believe, in New York. And uh, and they're on their way to raising their to hitting their target. But they're not there by any stretch of the imagination. So if you can help them out, that'd be tremendous. Uh, let me see. Who else should we give a shout out to this week? Uh, the Derby Quad. The Quad in Derby. The Quad is a wonderful, it is a cinema, it is a... It is a um, events venue. I have hosted a couple of Q and As and things there over the years. They're wonderful people. Adam Bus, who I follow on Twitter, is a lovely, lovely guy. He's very, very deeply involved in the Quad. And uh, you can go to at Darby Quad or just again Google Darby Quad and uh, for more information on how you can help out. Uh, let me see, just a couple more. Corinne at Corinne Lou. I want to shout out to the Burks Cinema in Aberfeldy. Um, it is a one-screen cinema. It's a community cinema uh, that she says is loved by all, uh, but is having to try to fundraise to make sure that they survive this period. And apparently Simon, their their manager, is a massive Empire fan. So a shout out to you guys, and I hope that you can make it through. Uh, there's also, staying in Wales, uh, the Chapter Arts Centre in Cardiff, uh, which has been given a shout out by Ruby Harrison. Uh, she says, where I saw the Irishmen, uh, they're taking donations to help, to help them get through this closure. Uh, and then one more, just to show that, once again with the Nighthawk, that we are not tied to UK-only cinemas. Uh, the Phenomena Experience. It's a cinema in Barcelona. It is independent. Uh, Steve Talentar, uh, who presumably lives in Barcelona, uh, calls it his local, says it's a very special cinema. It's independent. It's run by passionate cinephiles, single screen, first class sound. Chris Nolan himself set up the projector for Dunkirk. Uh, so they're offering 15 month memberships at the moment with steep discounts on ticket prices. How steep? Like steep enough like we could 
fly over to Barcelona every now and again to see a film and it still be cost effective because I'm I'm there. Helen and I and James and Amon, we will be there. We will go and see Dunkirk uh, or Tenet. We'll see Tenet at that cinema. It's all good. Uh, so check them out. They are on Twitter as at Phenomena XP. Phenomena XP on Twitter. So uh, do support low cinemas if you can. And if you work for cinema or if you know of a cinema that needs a shout out, uh, then let me know. Slide into my DMs and we will, we will sort you out on next week's show. Mm-hmm. Time now uh, for this week's guest. And a couple of weeks ago, we just, we reviewed the film Standing Up, Falling Down, which is a lovely comedy drama, dramedy, if you will, in which uh, Ben Schwartz stars as a failed stand-up comedian who returns to his hometown and there forms a bond with his dermatologist, played by the great Billy Crystal. I really like this film. I know we, we gave it three stars, but I was I was touched by it, moved by it. I found it funny and I thought the relationship between Schwartz and Crystal was absolutely fantastic as well. So uh, I thought to myself, you know what? That's got Ben Schwartz onto the show. And lo and behold, here is Ben Schwartz. You will know him probably best as Sean Ralphio from Parks and Recreation, but he is a fantastic improvisational comedian in his own right as well. He is the voice, most recently, of Sonic the Hedgehog. We don't talk about that. <laughs> we don't talk about Parks and Rec in this conversation as well. No. Partially my fault, because I fucked up the Squadcast thing, and he was standing in, he was standing in his own little Squadcast room for ages uh, before I appeared, and then we only had about 15, 16 minutes to chat about stuff. So we talk a little bit about standing up, falling down, a little bit about how he's dealing with lockdown, but mainly... It's just a bunch of rambling nonsense, but he's a tremendous, tremendous, very, very funny guy. Uh, so check out Standing Up, Falling Down, uh, and also keep him peeled for as we talk about his improv specials with Thomas Middleditch of Silicon Valley fame, which are simply called Middleditch and Schwartz, and they're going to be out on Netflix very, very soon indeed. Anyway, without any further to do, as Carlito Briganti might say, here am I talking to Ben Schwartz. Enjoy. Delighted to be joined on the Emperor Podcast remotely by the star of Standing Up, Falling Down, Ben Schwartz. How are you, sir? Hey, how are you, man? How is everything? Uh, you know, <laughs> at this point, it is what it is. Um, I've what spent is it like the over there? Where, where are you in the UK right now? I'm in London. I'm in Greenwich in London. Oh, my. What does it feel like over there? Because you're surrounded by more people than... Uh... Uh, it feels weird. I'm right by a huge park. I'm right by the River Thames. And it oh, feels yeah. kind of empty. I feel like I'm in like the early parts of probably more Day of the Dead than Dawn of the Dead, but okay. I'm in, in around that area. It's I a think. very big zombie vibe for you? It's not, uh, yeah, it's pretty not much. I, am Le- I Am Legend. It's very much that something has overturned. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much at the moment. Everything just feels empty and devoid of people. But I'm locked indoors because I'm one of the first people up against a wall in any kind of zombie apocalypse because yeah. I have no skills. I'm yeah. a podcaster. No one needs me. Yes, if I'm on a deserted island, I die first, always. <laughs> I have no, I have no, I don't know how to make a fire. I don't know how to make food without like an oven or a microwave. I'm, I'm at a loss. Okay. And where, where are you at the moment? Where are you? Where are you I'm uh... in Los Angeles, California. My exact address is, could you imagine? <laughs> my exact address. If you want to send letters, my exact address is, but I have to anti-sanitize them when I get them. I used to, I have a typewriter. I have an old typewriter and I like sending letters to people. And now I can't really do it because people are afraid of getting letters. <laughs> this is very very true this is why email wins email wins ah your okay. slogan your slogan you got to say email wins <laughs> <laughs> I've got the t-shirt I've got yeah, a tattoo on my it. face yeah. yeah hashtag uh, ad <laughs> yeah it's like my birthmark it's mm. like 666 um 
but yeah, are you coping with crime? You 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 doing okay with lockdown life? I'm okay. I get. It. I I can get anxious at times. It comes in waves where you uh, I keep myself busy enough where I forget, and then all of a sudden um, I read a bunch of articles and I get very anxious and it makes me sad and I donate wherever I can and try to. It's just very, it's a very uh, helpless feeling a little bit. You know what I mean? Because we're just waiting. Mm. It so it's it's uh, very scary, of course, and uh, ha- now knowing people who are affected by it. You know, it grow, this the scariness grows, but I mean, here we are. We're doing a podcast. You have, Thanos, you, have you have Thanos and Punisher behind you, and two little art pieces. <laughs> what else do yeah. you need? Picked them up from Comic Con. They give they give me sustenance. Oh, um, remember Comic Con? Do you think that'll happen uh, again? I think it might happen remotely. Like a hundred thousand people on a Zoom. I think I can see that happening. Oh, I would actually love that. You could actually get into Hall H. That would be amazing, actually. <laughs> I would I would not fight that at all. I've done I've done a lot of comic cons and I never get to go into the big fancy rooms. Only one time ever, and I always wanted to. Oh uh, man, really? Yeah. When Iron Man two got announced, Robert Downey Jr. walked to a Luther Vandross song all the way through the crowd, <laughs> and I randomly had a me- a writing meeting with him about something. So I would like I was talking, which was you know a trip because he's the man, and he was lovely. Yeah. And he was like, "Hey, you want to go?" I'm like, "Yes, yes." yes. <laughs> so I, he gave me a ticket so I could watch, and it was the coolest. It was the coolest thing. A camera followed him the whole way through. Um, when we do when we do Ducktales and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, we're not in Hall H ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, I had an experience like that, kind of vaguely similar. I I, I was on the you know there's a, the atrium or it used to be the atrium on the roof at, uh, at Comic Con yeah. uh, outside Hall H, and uh, so I found myself up there on the roof one one day with Avi Arad and the cast of Fantastic Four just before they were about to do their panel, and somehow I ended up in the elevator with them on the way down to Hall H to do their presentation, and you know then they were going no. It's fine. He's with us. I don't think they knew who I was. Oh, I love and, it. <laughs> I rode down in the elevator and I found, I turned to my right and there, for some reason, I have no idea why, was Miguel Ferrer, the great Miguel Ferrer. And I, I never do this, Ben. I never do this, but I had to take this opportunity. I, I said to him, listen. I punched him in the face. What? I punched him in the face. I need him in the balls. Oh my God. <laughs> the ultimate I finished one that too. motherfucker. <laughs> the old one too. I said to him, your reading of the line, war, it's fantastic, and Hot Shots Part 2 is absolutely phenomenal. And I just have to thank you for that. And uh, he looked very bemused. That's and that was, that was my Comic-Con lift experience. Oh, but, yeah. that's great. That's wonderful. <laughs> what a beautiful little treat. Oh, it's, it's, it's glorious, glorious Comic Con experience. But uh, we don't have a lot of time Sorry, because yeah, I, completely, Sorry about that. I completely fucked this thing up. So yeah, let it be known that the short time is because of you. You know, this never happens when you're on Comedy Bang Bang, though. You never have someone else, you know, like stopping the solo bolos or any of that stuff. Because the, that's the magic. The magic can't stop. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Once the magic train comes out of that station. Once we're through Paddington, it's really we're on our own. You know what I mean? Also, it's harder because yeah. there's electronics. I had to download Firefox to make this happen. <laughs> All I'm, sorts so of stuff. I'm so sorry for that. I'm so sorry. sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry for your loss at this, this very, very oh, difficult please, time. But uh, I want to talk about Standing Up, Falling Down. Did you down, see the move? Which move? I did see the movie. Oh, nice. Good. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't the sequel to Falling Down I had expected. Less what murder, is Falling less Down? Violence. The Michael Douglas movie. Oh, no, I got to go watch goes, that. By the way, Logan. I am taking, I know this is going to cut into our time. I am taking film recommendations. Like I just watched uh, uh, Taking a Pelham 123 for the first time, the original Walter Matthau. Yes. Unbelievable. It was phenomenal film. I could not believe how funny it was. And somehow they put in so much comedy with the, the thriller aspect. It blew my mind. I was, uh, I watched the original producers again. I've been watching a lot of Mel Brooks talking about Hot Shot Part 2, that type of 
crazy type of comedy with like space balls and producers and stuff like that. It's been making me really happy to watch old movies I haven't seen before. Amazing. Uh, so if you've seen Taking a Pelham 123, have you seen Charlie Farrick, which is another great Walter Matthau, Don Siegel thriller I've never from the 1970s? Heard of it. What's it called? Charlie Farrick. I'm writing it down. C-H-A-R-L-E-Y. Farrick. F-A-R-R-I-C-K. We should do this every week, Ben. We should, you know, you should just come back on. I to, love the idea know. of getting a movie. By the way, I'm I'm taking from anybody, anybody who'll tell me. I'm like trying to, you know, where you're from. You said you're from Northern Ireland. Yeah. Okay. I lived in Kilkenny for a bit. I know that's south, but I lived in Kilkenny for two and a half months. Oh wow! How was that? It was amazing. I was. It was in college. It was incredible. I was going to work at a. Uh, I was going to work at a uh, pub afterwards because I had such a good time. Um, and it was an anthropology major, so I was studying different cultures. And so I would study all the hurly, all the hurl, hurling players, uh, Gaelic football mm-hmm. players and research and then compare that to as this is going to be very nerdy, but at, my thesis was sports as a microcosm of society and how Ireland treats its athletes compared to how America does. And, um, quickly found that Ireland was like, Oh, by the way, all the people that was, were doing hurling and everything, they had regular jobs, uh, you know, were normal everyday people and loved the sport so much, but were treated like, you know, icons in the town. Um, and then you go to America and I would, uh, interview some people that were doing it and getting paid. And it was a, the, the love of the game kind of differed a little bit. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Ireland was very fun. But then a 9-11 happened, which is to talk about another tragedy. And so I, I'm, I'm from New York, so I came home immediately. Uh, so I cut those plans short. Oh, man. Straight on the plane. You, had, you, you felt you had to be there, I guess. Yeah, something. It just was too. It was so surreal. Every that that was so crazy because I was in Ireland. I forget where we were at the time. Uh, I don't think it was Cork. I forget where because we were going in different counties. I was just collecting accents. I was just watching people <laughs> collecting accents as I went. Tried my Guinness wherever I could. Threw down a little bit of whiskey. Collected accents. <laughs> County Cork had a beauty. County Cork had a beautiful accent. Uh, and then uh, I was like, Yeah, it's time. We gotta we gotta go home. Even though my family was safe. But I was, I remember, I don't never talked about this before. Maybe this isn't the time to talk about another sad thing while one sad thing is happening. Yeah. But maybe, maybe we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get you on again. We, we could talk about sad things. Yes, but sad I, things with Ben Schwartz. Loved, is that uh, it was so opposite my personality. I loved Ireland. Loved it. And I've been back maybe twice and I, I always loved it. Everybody was so kind to me there. Amazing. And uh, the, the accents, you, do you still have them in your back pocket? Can't do them at all. Zero. Terrible. I'm, I've always been terrible at accents. I've not auditioned for roles because I know I'd embarrass myself. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you're, you know, you're, you're a voice guy. In yeah, a, in I know. A, it's a lot of ways. Because you can't see my face. And also it's not like do an Irish accent. It's like, okay, this is a little twig. You're playing a twig that has magical powers. Like, great. Yeah, I can figure that out. Oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> so it's like, oh yeah, I can figure that out. But if you're like, okay. But I think... I think he's a twig with magical powers, but he's from West Dublin. I'm out. He's, he's I'm been. Out. <laughs> I'm out. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of Tit yeah. Mouse. I'm sorry we couldn't make this work. Take care. <laughs> he really grew up on the rough side of the street. Uh, yeah. Even harder. Yeah. <laughs> he's only three teeth. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And that was getting really tricky. Yeah, why does a twig have teeth? What does it eat? What does a twig eat? I'm back in. You know what? I'm back in. I'm back in. <laughs> I'm invested now. Well, oh wait, um, yeah, some questions. We only have like two minutes left. I feel, I feel, no, this is the, see, you don't like the magic to stop. I don't like the magic to start. So this is why I don't like my interviews. Okay. I don't actually ask any questions at any oh, point. Great. I think that, Perfect. that works out well my uh, so far anyway. Um, but I should ask you a question and I should ask you a question specifically about standing up, falling down. Sure. Um, I do want to ask about Middle Ditch and Schwartz as well. Though. Do it, do it. <laughs> but, that one's coming out. <laughs> that is coming out. Coming That's out very, very It's coming exciting. out worldwide. 
which is very exciting. I, I haven't really had many things that you can press a button and everywhere in the world someone could watch together. It's crazy. I'm very excited to see. <laughs> so you guys, I mean, when did you guys kind of click and decide to sure. do this? So I started improv in 2002, which is cra- It's almost been 20 years that I've been doing improv. Thomas and I found it's each other at Crazy, right? Uh, found yeah. each other at Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York. He'd come from Chicago by way of Canada. And uh, he was in New York. We met each other. We did two person for like five minutes on a show on like a, you know, like a late night show. Nobody's in the audience. Mm. Nobody really cared about us back then. Slowly got a little bit of an audience. And then I moved to LA. He moved later. And when we were both here, like, oh, let's do a little bit more. And we did it at UCB in LA. And it was really fun. And then our show was 15 minutes and it was 30. And then we're like, you know what? Let's, let's do an hour long. We tried an hour long. It went really well. And then a guy named Mark Flanagan, who owns a place called Largo, uh, which is a mm. really cool theater in LA, which like Sarah Silverman, Patton Oswalt, and like uh, John Bryan, and all these cool, fun people format. Um, they're like, hey, do you want to play? Do you want to do an improv show? We don't have any improv on our stage, just stand up. And they pay. Uh, Upright Citizens Brigade, you know, you go into it knowing that you don't get paid. So I, I've been doing improv for free for, um, man, I mean, like, 15 years or something like that, uh, which wow. by the way, still, who cares? It was my favorite thing in the universe. That was, The money yeah. part wasn't why you're doing it. Uh, you just try your hardest to make enough money to keep going by inside. So when the opportunity arose that not only did you get paid, the, the space was big and then Thomas really wanted to tour. So it was like a practice for us because it's a 280 person theater. It's an actual like theater theater. Uh, we'll have real microphones. And so it was like, oh, let's try it out and see how it goes. And it went great. And from there, Thomas convinced me let's tour and we, it's been, it's been a crazy experience. We did Carnegie Hall and Chicago Theater and the Met. And um, our hope is that if the specials go well, it'll be the first time that people across the border or rather across the water will see us. So mm. then it will hopefully be enough for, to take us to uh, England, maybe uh, Ireland, maybe Australia. Uh, but we're, you know, we're a little bit like, let's see how the specials go over. And if they go over pretty well, then I think maybe we can travel over there. So it's a very exciting thing for us because I love London. I did a movie with Sam Rockwell in love, um, London like two years ago. Lived there for a bit. Mm. Loved it. So it would be great to go there um, because that com- that comedy scene, uh, I did a Jake and Amir thing over there. That comedy scene is wonderful and gets it and understands improv. It would be a really exciting thing for me. Oh, man. Well, if it happens, you have uh, sold one ticket here. I did it? Next- Actually, no. I'd probably get a press ticket. Of course, right. So, so I didn't make it for free. That's fine. No. That's fine. But that's that's the improv spirit. That's right? it. Of course, um, I'm not even doing a bit. I'm happy that you're coming. If people are in the audience, <laughs> we do not charge a lot of money for tickets. Our tour tickets are like thirty five, forty dollars, when other tour tickets are like eighty dollars. Because we're just like, come. We just wanted you to come see the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't wait. If yeah, genuinely, if you do that, I, I am there. I uh, and- so the specials come out on April twenty first everywhere. And what happens is we get a suggestion from the crowd. And if you haven't seen it before, we talk to the crowd about something so it's not like it's not like short form like whose line it's more like we mm. talk to um someone about something that they're looking forward to or dreading so someone will say like one of them was you know i'm having a baby i'm really scared we talk to them about it in a real way we get information from them for about five minutes and then nobody else talks for the rest of the show and we almost do like a play for an hour um, and we make up an entire one like one storyline for 55 minutes is how we edited it for um uh the netflix shows and so we're releasing three of those three different hour-long yeah. specials um, Amazing! Oh, they're calling. Oh, then they hung up. They're calling. All right, do one more question. Do one more question. All right, no. Worries. Now you have uh, it on so, camera that we're <laughs> messing with the system. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this next person's not really, really important and uh, can crush it's my. It's Steven career, Spielberg. Like he's really interested in me oh, for ET nah, too. That guy. That really? Guy. He's on. He's on. He's on the way down. He's on the downslope. Oh, that's insane. ET two is a huge <laughs> deal. I'm very excited by it. It's crazy that you don't care. And it's true. <laughs> I'm just I'm just over ET. What can I say? That's terrible. Um, 
<laughs> I'm all about Charlie Farrick. Uh, so with uh, with uh, no, Charlie Farrick too. Now you now you're talking yeah. with uh, so with standing up falling down. Yes. I mean, obviously you and you're playing a stand up in that and. Billy Crystal's a stand-up, but Billy Crystal knows his way around improv as well, I'm guessing. So was there improv in that? And did you improv with Billy Crystal? If so, what was it Great like? question. Uh, first of all, he's incredible in it. You've seen the film. He's truly, mm-hmm. truly great in this film. Right. Really, really special. Um, and um, uh, so what we did is we saw the script. First of all, he, he picked me, which was very kind. He was already attached to the project, and he picked me. And I said, um, this is great. I think there's some things we could... Uh, we're good for five more minutes. Oh, th- I think there's some things that we could play with in the script. He goes, absolutely. We came together. We we talked about what we do in the script. So basically, a little bit of our improv and brainstorming happened in the in the rewrite process with Peter Hoare, the writer, who's a lovely writer. Mm. And so we helped cha- play with the script a bit. Then on the day, what we would do is we would go through it. And if it felt nice, you know, great. If it felt a little clunky, we'd play with the words there. And so there's a little bit of improv on the second it's happening, but a lot of the stuff happened, okay. much like in House of Lies, with Cheeto and uh, I, we would play with it, Cheeto, Kristen Bell, and Josh Lawson and I, we would play with it in the rehearsals when they're setting up the lighting and everything, like while that where we go. And if we find new stuff, we go with it. Um, so we did that. But, but Billy was, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, as excited as I am to be, you know, the, the, the lead of this thing. I'm so excited that. I'm in a movie with Billy Crystal, who's an idol of mine and a great human being and someone I looked up to my whole life and still, but also he's amazing in it. It's not like, oh, watch this movie, Billy Crystal's in it. It's He gives one of like the big publications have talked about it being one of his top performances of all time. So I, the fact that he's still doing it to that level now is so incredible. Um, mm. And he's just great in it. That's why I'm excited for people to see it. It's a very sweet story. It's a very small movie. If you want to support independent movies, this is it. It costs very little money. We, we were changing. Billy says we changed in cars, changed entire outfits in cars. <laughs> you know what I mean? We both had bronchitis for half of it. <laughs> it was one of those type of movies. <laughs> Amazing. And do you still have him on speed dial? I mean, you may not have had him on speed dial at any point, but you know, by the you, way, you do text? you have speed dial? Are you talking about just on I my don't. phone? I don't. I don't. <laughs> It's just something Do you have your top say, five? It? Wasn't that a thing? Remember T-Mobile's I have top, top five? I have literally my, my top one is my wife. You Get know, my favorite column. <laughs> she refuses to be in the podcast. Oh. <laughs> Believe me, she's she's walked near a microphone before and just refused. You have a very good microphone Doesn't setup. It's very exciting. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, you've got a love. Well, yeah, I was going to say you, you're just wearing earbuds, basically, but you know it's not too bad still. But do you text Billy Crystal? Yes, of course. We all the time. He's giving me movie recommendations. We go to Clippers games together. Uh, I've been very fortunate that he's like a real part of my life. We like uh, have become real, actual friends, which um, is incredible and lovely. And then you go to his birthday party, and all of a sudden, like Warren Beatty's there, and you're like, "What the? F- oh, right, you're Billy Crystal." <laughs> There's like you become just like a friend of yours, and he's wonderful, and then like. You know, you're sitting down with Rob Reiner and Martin Short for dinner, and you're like, "Oh, ew, this is a dream." <laughs> um, but he, I cannot, I cannot say uh, good enough things about him. He, he was supportive all the way through. He's come to a bunch of my improv shows. He's, he's just a good human being who loves comedy and like loves being collaborative and creating things. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited mm-hmm. that in the, the, the wealth of his career and in the, in the legendary career he has, I get to have even a tiny little part in it. It makes me very excited to be a part of it. This is amazing. So, I mean, why are you getting recommendations from me about movies when you could get one from Warren Beatty? Oh, I don't know those people. I can Billy Crystal. I can get. Uh, He gave me a couple good ones, which are great. All right. Well, I've got one last recommendation for you, Ben. Before I let you go, get your pen. Write this down. Okay. City Slickers Two. Search for Curly's Gold. 
The Legend of Curly's Gold. Oh, you, Come on, you don't man. know the B side. There's an oh, there's a movie that I wrote <laughs> called The Search for Curly's Gold, and it's about me. I play a gentleman named Curly. It has nothing to do with Jack Pollins. and it's just me Amazing. looking for gold. It's uh, like a very you know like Gelt, the Jewish Gelt. It's just me trying to find that. <laughs> yeah. All right, you looking for investors? Because I'm in for like five. Yeah, good. That's all the movie costs. That's amazing. We're greenlit. Done, especially in the uh, in this current time. That's all we need. That's all we need. Brilliant, Ben. It's been an absolute pleasure, man. And uh, thanks so much. All right, so that was Ben Schwartz, and he's welcome back on the show anytime. And now it is time to bring this bad boy to a close by talking about this week's films. And when I say this week's films, I mean films that have actually been out for a couple of weeks, but we're finally getting around to reviewing them. Uh, <laughs> number one with a bullet is on Disney Plus, and it has been on Disney Plus since it launched. It is Stargirl and Amon. Tell us about Stargirl. Yeah, Stargirl. So this stars Graham Brescher as Leo, who is an unconfident high schooler who's just been happy to skate under the radar. Uh, but then he sort of finds his first love with uh, the arrival of Stargirl, played by Grace Vanderwall, who's a very quirky new student uh, who hits it off with Leo. Uh, when Stargirl's sort of outsider attitudes rub his peers up the wrong way, he's got to decide whether he wants to sort of stay with her or turn his back on her. Um, and yeah, I thought this was solid. Um, the performances by Versher and Wonderwall are good. Uh, There's very believable chemistry generated between them. We should mention that Vanderwall is a former America's Got Talent winner, uh, so her fan base will doubtless... Uh, be flocking, I say be flocking, will have flocked to this, as you say, it's been on uh, Disney Plus for a while. The soundtrack is also really, really great. If you're a fan of the cars, there'll be at least one scene to your liking, I think. Um, and the Just Be Yourself uh, messaging is worthwhile, but it is extremely predictable and on the nose from the beginning. If you don't know that that's gonna probably be the message of the film 15 minutes in you haven't watched enough movies um so there's that um there's also nothing here that we haven't really seen in better movies of this ilk um uh, you think about where the teen movies have uh, sort of been in in recent times you think of movies like book smart or love simon uh they've really evolved uh what that uh type of movie can be this feels like it belongs to an older era um, in many ways, not least uh, because it's the the uh, star girl herself is a very manic pixie dream girl, uh, which is a very tired trope, and it's in full effect here. So this is relatively harmless, I thought, but you're better off rewatching Booksmart. I think I agree. I agree that you're basically always better off watching Booksmart than practically anything. Um, I didn't. True. It was it was interesting. It's interesting about the manic pixie dream girl point because I feel like that's really what's divided people on this film because there is a really passionate fan base for this movie and for the book that it's based on um, and it seems to be a question of whether or not the film succeeds in um, giving you the manic pixie dream girl's point of view essentially because she you know star girl like is one of these oh let's embrace life and sing a bit and stuff um, kind of manic pixie dream girls but there's also the element of you know, this is something she works at. This is something she has chosen. She has chosen to actively not care what everyone thinks about her and to live this completely, you know, unencumbered life. And mm -hmm. it kind of takes effort and it takes willpower to do that. And I think that's maybe the element that puts it aside from some really bad Manic Pixie Dream Girl films 
where she's just like, I love you. Um, so it, it wasn't it wasn't quite as bad as I expected from some reviews, but it also wasn't quite as good as I was hoping from other reviews because I felt like it didn't 100% like give you her point of view. It was still very much for his story, I think, in a lot of have ways. You, so, have you read the book? I have not. I've I've read many passionate articles by people who love it. Is is the closest I've come yet. So, but it does sound really good. So I might try it out after this. This has got nothing to do with. There's another Star Girl project as well, isn't there? There's uh, which is the DC hero. Oh yeah, no, nothing that, to do with. That is when when I first heard the Star Girl, that was the thing which I was thinking of. I you know it took me a while to sort of clock out. This is a Disney Plus <laughs> film too. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Star Girl's the one with the boob window, isn't she? In DC, not here. Characters with a boob window. (laughs) No, but I think she's one of the most famous boob windows. That's all. Um, I wouldn't know. What's a what's a boob window? It's it's like a it's like a sort of um, (laughs) almond shaped cutout right in the middle of her cleavage. So you don't see nip, but you see like inner boob, (laughs) inner slope, if you will. All right. Okay. Yep. So glad I could help. And is it double glazed or is it just single glazed? What it was, oh, it's it's actually a sort of medieval open to the elements kind of a window. Yeah. Oh, my word. Hi, everyone. This is Chris jumping in very, very quickly to say that, yes, I am aware that I missed an open goal, a huge opportunity to make a double D glazing pun. And I am going to kick myself every day from now until the end of my life. OK, thanks very much. I return you now to our regularly scheduled podcast programming. Double D glazing, mother of God! I this know. podcast, this it started erotic, <laughs> then it just it stopped for a while, but now we're back in the realms of the sexual. Um, uh, uh, so Wanda, Wanda has a boob window, right? It's Scarlet Witch in the in the comics, not in the comics, in the yeah, films. yeah, yeah, in the comics, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Power Girl uh, has a Power. Has a maybe window. I'm getting Star Girl mixed up with Power Girl. Actually, I think you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. Well, uh, and and you say that uh, Star Girl stars Wonderwall. Is this is this true? Has an Oasis song become flesh? <laughs> Vanderwall. Vanderwall. All right. Okay. I just thought today was going to be the day that they're going to throw it back to you, but <laughs> okay. Two stars then for Star Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, this week is a big old pile of poo and there's uh, everything's two stars, uh, including, of course, Love Wedding Repeat, which is on Netflix right now. Stargirls and Disney Plus, Love Wedding Repeat is on Netflix. James, that title is obviously yes, reminiscent this is of Edge of Tomorrow. The unexpected sequel to Edge of Tomorrow in which Tom Cruise's character gets married and <laughs> hijinks ensue. Uh, no, sadly, that would have been a much more enjoyable film. This is, this is a kind of sub-Richard Curtis and yes... Uh, to me, Richard Curtis is something to aspire to beat because I, I love I love a Richard Curtis comedy. I quite like a wedding farce. Like there are a lot, there's a lot here that I thought I might enjoy. Sadly, I did not. So this is written and directed by Dean Craig, who you might know. He wrote uh, Death at a Funeral, uh, and he has obviously compiled mm-hmm. his Death at a Funeral with uh, with weddings here for this sort of time twisty, weird sliding doors meets four weddings via. Edge of Tomorrow type film. So this stars uh, Sam Claflin as Jack and his sister uh, Haley, played by Eleanor Tomlinson of Poldark fame, is getting married in Italy at, it has to be said, one of the most stunning weddings I've seen. The uh, the 
location shoot for this is absolutely beautiful. It gives you lots of sort of wedding envy. But um, but this is one of the things where the wedding starts to go a little bit off the rails and sort of there's lots of faux pas and hijinks and misunderstandings as one would expect from a wedding farce. But this one's clever twist is that uh, at one point, for reasons I won't go into, someone's drink is spiked with a sleeping draft uh, at a table and some some mischievous Italian children swap the names around on the on this particular table. So the person who gets drugged isn't the person who should get drugged, and that is where the time travel thing plays out. So you get to see what would happen oh. if different people had been poisoned, essentially, oh. or poisoned or, or mm. spiked or roofied, whatever you want to call it. Now, the problem is, like, I mean, it's a slightly daft setup. You can see it working. The problem with this primarily is the execution of this one sort of interesting point is really badly fumbled. So this, the time mm. twisty thing doesn't even come into an hour into the film and it's horribly rushed past in a sort of weird, almost sort of montage sequence and then they play out an alternate timeline. So it's it's a really strange application of what is a strange idea and they might have been better off just playing this wedding fast straight and it possibly could have worked slightly better. I think one of the problems here is the writing is sub, very far sub, Richard Curtis. It doesn't have the wit, it doesn't have the charm. It's got some good people in it. Tomlinson's great. Clafton's actually okay in this. The uh, hot Americans sort of... What do you mean actually okay? No, well, in the- <laughs> it's really good. I thought it was well, really good I, I in this. I didn't mind him in this. I don't think he was... I thought Tomlinson was actually the best thing in this. I thought Olivia Munn is good as the kind of... Uh, the quote-unquote hot American. You've got Frida Printo in, in here as his ex-girlfriend. Ashton B turns up in this as well. I also really enjoyed Joel Fry, who's one of the best things in Yesterday as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's based. It's loosely based on a, on a French film, I think from 2012, called Plan de Table. And, and I, I don't know if that executes this slightly better, but I think this really, really drags. And th- I think even without the sort of uh, the kind of conceit that they fumble in this it just it isn't charming enough it isn't funny enough it isn't appealing enough and the characters aren't likable enough so it does start to feel quite tedious and then when you get to the big sort of time shift part you're hoping that it will kick up a gear and it, it never really does which is a shame uh, so other than the fact that it makes mm. you want to get married in Italy frankly at this very place there's not an awful lot to recommend this one <laughs> I'm sorry to say although mm-hmm. although I will say Penny Ryder does a voiceover on this and sounds spot on like a very sweary Judy Dench and frankly I thought it was Judy Dench I thought yep. this is fucking brilliant <laughs> uh, yep. sadly though it isn't <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Because surely the the joy of doing a sort of Groundhog Day rip-off or Live, Die, Repeat rip-off is that you do lots yeah. of iterations. And if you all you if all but one of them is in a montage, then what's mm. the fucking point? Like, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, you know. I think it comes back it in does, the credits yeah. as well. Yeah, like, it does more, a bit. But... In the credits and it's just, it's it's just a strange structure. structure. Very mm. strange structure. Do you think, like, you're going to break this film into segments and you're going to have alternate realities at sort of like, I don't know, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, like just over an hour, you know, do it that way. And that is not what they chose to do. Um, but, you know, no. sure. Okay, go for it. Next, we have Coffee and Kareem, which stars Taraji P. Henson and Ed Helms. And this is also on Netflix. Helen, tell us about this. Yeah, for my money, this is by far the worst of the three. But um, anyway, uh, Ed Helms is a police officer uh, called Coffee. Um, He's dating Taraji P. Henson's Vanessa. Um, She is single mother to Kareem, um, who's played by Terence Little uh, Garden High, um, who is awful. Like, he's awful. Um, anyway, he is appalled that this cop is is uh, dating his mother. He's kind of a little wannabe hoodlum. And he decides to try to take out a hit on the cop. 
um, or at least scare him off. Um, but if, wouldn't you know it, when he goes in to hire this gangster, they're in the middle of killing somebody. So they become witnesses to this uh, murder and have to go on the run from everybody. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. I mean, honestly, it could not be more old fashioned and pointless and not very well executed. You've got great people in there. Obviously, Ed Helms and Treasure P. Henson are amazing. But like Betty Gilpin is in there as his immediate boss, as his kind of fame hungry, limelight hogging immediate boss. Um, You've got David Alan Greer as Captain Walter Hill, which gives you some idea of the kind of references that they would like to be paying homage to in this film and just are falling way, way short of. And it just gets into yet another sort of, oh, we're on the run, we're hiding out, who can we trust um, thing with a really, and I say this, you know, I know he's very young and everything, but like Kareem's shtick is really not funny and his relationship with Coffee is really not funny and the two of them together are just not people you want to spend time with. Um, and they are the centre of the film, you know, Henson is kind of in it now and again, but it's not her movie. So I just find this really wearisome, I'll be honest. Sorry. This was exhausting. Like, I was 10 minutes into this film, and it was already exhausting. Mm. This entire thing, I was just, you know, begging for it to end almost as soon as I started it. Also, you should mention, this movie is, who is that? (laughs) Somebody's doorbell? Uh, that's yeah. uh, Ed Helms. He's heard what we're saying about him and he's not happy. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is extremely homophobic and mm-hmm. it's it's like that from pretty much the get-go, which is obviously ridiculous. And pointing out that that is what it is in the moment does not make the movie smart or clever. It's just dumb, lazy and offensive. And I was just rolling my eyes far more than I was laughing throughout this entire movie. It's very forgettable. And uh, yeah, I, uh, Helen is right. It's easily the worst of the three mm. movies we've we discussed this week. Like, honestly, the fact that it has the same sort of star rating means I, sh- I would personally bump the other two up a full extra star because, yeah. Mm, I, just, I, just, I just bumped this down to one. I, this, this is a one star film for me. I, I really, really hated it. Oh, wow. Okay. So five stars then for Coffee and Cream sounds <laughs> absolutely tremendous. Uh, I will say if you're going to watch an Ed Helms movie, uh, just maybe check out uh, or re- revisit. Uh, I mean this genuinely because I, re- I revisited it the other day. Uh, Vacation, uh, which mm. is actually terrific. Um, much better second time around than I, uh, than I had remembered it being. Uh, and it is a shame that we haven't had a sequel to that. And we never will. But there you go. Two stars then for coffee and cream. Two stars for everything pretty much this week. Um, there's also, I should also point out, obviously there's going to be loads of great stuff on the BBC iPlayer, loads of great stuff on Channel 4 and Film 4 as well. Um, this week's movie announcement. Um, so amongst the films that are leaving movie this week, because as you know, 30 films uh, at every given time, one in, one out every single day, uh, are some absolute belters. There's Lady Vengeance, uh, Park Chan-wook's Lady Vengeance. There's another Jean-Pierre Melville movie, The Cercle Rouge, uh, that is going. There's Igmar Bergman's Autumn Sonata. That's going to go this week. And Sean Cocteau's Testament of Orpheus. All of those are going to leave in the next seven days. You better get a move on if you want to watch those. And uh, I should also say as well that Arrow Video, uh, which is home to loads of great schlocky stuff, uh, loads of great of the early Hellraiser stuff, so you don't have to open a puzzle box uh, configuration, lament configuration type DVD box set to get them. 
is having a free 30-day trial right now. So you sign up, you get 30 days of Arrow stuff free. And they've got loads of schlocky horror films in there. So right up my street. Uh, so go to just search for Arrow Video. And uh, I think it's on Apple TV, it's on Amazon. And you can subscribe to the channel there as well. Um, but I think that's pretty much it, guys. I think that's, pr- I think that's pretty much it. Yay. Wow. And in well under Ooh. two and a half hours. I know. Oh, Lord. <laughs> these these uh, these lockdown podcasts are a little bit longer than we had perhaps anticipated. But uh, uh, we'll see how that goes over the next few weeks. Uh, but anyway, that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. Join us next week for more film-related fun. We'll be joined by All Being Well, provided that both of us can work Squadcast, Richard Dreyfus. Ooh. Yes, yes indeed. Richard Dreyfus, the great Richard Dreyfus star of Jaws, Stakeout, and another Stakeout will be on this podcast <laughs> uh, having a good old chat to me about his film Astronaut. Um, Keeping peel as well for spoiler specials, as I say, the Raid spoiler special or Save Me 2 spoiler special, and next week's The Mandalorian spoiler special will all be hitting next week also. But until then, until we meet again, until that auspicious occasion, it is goodbye from Pod Die Repeat, James goodbye. Dyer. Again. Until then, until the suspicious occasion, until we meet again, it is goodbye from Pod Die Repeat, James Dyer. Again. Until (laughs) then, until the suspicious occasion, (laughs) (laughs) it is also goodbye from Amonymous, Amon Warman. Peace. (laughs) Still makes me laugh every time. I love it. You've only been on the podcast a few times. You've got like 15 catchphrases. You're like some sort of Amon doll. You just pull the string and out comes peace or woodwatch. There's a snake or... in my boot. <laughs> Amon's little known catchphrase. There's a snake in my boots. Uh, it is goodbye, of course, also from Wonder Woman 84, Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. And it's goodbye from me, the man with no name, Chris Hewitt. And, uh, you know, guys, I'm off to find the star of Disney Plus's Stargirl and say to her, maybe you're going to be the one that saves me. And after all, you're my Fanderfall. <laughs> Anyone want to harmonize with me? No, didn't think so. No. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye. Bye.